can he be successful enough to kind of rip that job from uh, from Latroy Hawkins' cold, dead hands? I really liked that acquisition. I think that he's going to shock some folks. Very interested in Shane Green. There must be like somebody's boss that watches these games through Twitter because, damn it, these tweets are out of control this spring. Given the that Tim Federovich or whatever is his backup. By the way, I got to give you credit on Federovich. I know you. I've heard you talk. I do listen to the <laughs> podcast. I've heard you talk about having player pronunciation issues. Welcome to episode 209 of the Sleeper in the Bus. It's a Thursday edition, March 26th. You know, we are we are right in the home stretch to probably the the final weekend of a ton of drafts. You know, there's going to be some next weekend because that Saturday the 4th can work and maybe even some folks can do it on Easter Sunday if uh, if they can can trick the family into letting them. But this is the weekend. I mean, this is NFBC, a lot of home leagues. I've got two myself, actually three. I got two on Saturday, one on Sunday that I have to travel to. This is a big weekend, so this is going to be a huge show for us. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, middle of the drafts. And, you know, it occurs to me that somehow we didn't really plan it uh, – Unless you did, uh, Showmaster. But uh, we're hitting our wheelhouse in terms of what positions people probably want to hear from us most. Yeah, uh, I I didn't. Draft season. Yeah, I I can't claim to to have uh, planned this well. But I think, you know, I know a lot of people did their drafts last weekend. But the pitchers we're going to talk about today, even if you did your draft last week, and we're going to talk about some guys who might be on your wire anyway, especially if you're in a 10 or 12 team mixed. Those of you going into drafts, this is kind of that mid to late tier guys that can re- they're going to they're going to shape the season really. I mean, you know, they're going to be where your studs come from, where a lot of your breakouts, uh, where your breakout studs come from, I should say, not not your your elite studs that we know are proven, but the guys who kind of sneak onto the scene and become this year's Jake Arrieta's, Matt Shoemaker's, um, who, who else? Uh, who am I missing? There were so many breakouts last year. I don't know why I've gone completely blank on them right now, but you get my point. Um, you know, your Garrett Richards, Jake DeGrom, maybe we're, maybe we're not going to find the next Jake DeGrom. That was pretty, pretty out there, yeah. but, uh, we're going to, we're going to be talking about those guys in those middle tiers that can really make a difference. In fact, we don't even have news today because none of, none of it's anything major, little bit of, uh, late, late news on forearm soreness for David Robertson. We'll keep an eye on that, but there's nothing to comment on because it really it literally just broke it just said robin ventura admitted thursday that david robertson has been has battled some forearm soreness and he, he has a terrible era but I'm, I'm still not really that worried about him i think he's going to get a super long leash uh even if he struggles out of the gate so unless this injury becomes something bigger we don't really need to go too far with it is that kind of how you feel or do you, you think this is something that you're moving him down for uh you know, he's in a kind of a weird spot for me because I'm not sure that he's uh, the very elite. He is kind of, you know, I might end up with him. Um, I, you know, last night I bought Cody Allen in a in an auction league for 18 bucks. I love Cody Allen. And the reason I did it was because I wanted a. I didn't think I would ever keep a. Uh, it was a keeper league, and there was inflation, so there's a little bit of inflation, and you have to think about that when you think about the 18 bucks. Sure. Um, and then. Uh, I figured I'd, I wanted a good rental, and I wanted to have at least one good reliever I thought would be healthy all year and have elite stats. Um, and so I, I feel like Robertson is part of that group of, of 
guys that you might just want to pay for and pay the going rate because they're going to have elite stats. And I guess this bumps him down to the bottom of that tier with Doolittle. Uh, but he's got to be above Doolittle because Doolittle actually has an injury that he's rehabbing and is going to actually miss time, whereas Robertson may not, you know, maybe he misses a game. So so you got Robertson, Jansen, and Doolittle down there, right, as the potential yeah. elites who've got a little bit of uh, either injury news already in place or a little bit of injury scare with Robertson. So, yeah, I'm well, with you. I mean, like Jansen went for 18 in that same league. And honestly, if I had a choice between an injured pitcher for the same price as a currently healthy pitcher, and I thought they might be close, then I'm going to take the currently healthy pitcher because I'm going to get maybe five, ten more innings, and you know that could be five more saves, and it's just going to be more value. So absolutely uh, agree, and I if, love Cody Allen. Roberts, Robertson's above Doolittle and Jansen because Doolittle and Jansen have timetables and days they're going to miss, and Robertson doesn't yet. Um, but if it did turn into something where he'd started the season on the DL, I'd have to just lump those three together. Maybe buy them if they, you know, if normal closers, if the normal league closers go for 18 to 20, maybe I'll buy them around 14 and 15 because, you know, you know I'm still getting a guy who, when he's in there, is going to be the closer and is going to be good. He's going to be elite. So Exactly. Get that discount and, 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 and take that surplus. I mean, the, the, they're not Aroldis Chapman because of the strikeouts, but look what Aroldis Chapman did last year. In just five months of work, he he missed that first month. Right. Um, and obviously the innings were down, 54 innings, but he's so good he was able to make up for it in the strikeouts. But I'm just talking ratios and saves: two ERA, 0. 0.8, uh, 0.83 WHIP, and then 36 saves. Both Robertson, Jansen, or all of Robertson, Jansen, and Doolittle are capable of that. And I think. Uh, Jansen and Doolittle specifically are, are capable of really rallying to make up the strikeouts too. And it's not that David Robertson's bad. We're just talking about elite between super elite and elite when it comes to strikeout rates with these four guys here. So that I'm just saying, don't get too bogged down. Even if you know the news comes out that Robertson's going to miss some time, because Jansen and Doolittle, I still think are great options, even with time uh, missed built in. So, all right, let's talk uh, – actually, one, one other thing to get out of the way. iTunes, please rate and review the podcast. Y'all been crushing that. Really, really appreciate that. Leave your comment. Leave your star rating. You want to hit us up on Twitter, you can do so at Sporer and at Eno Saris. We answer questions throughout the day pretty much any time. So go ahead and send your questions in. I will repeat, please do not send the same question to us and 50 other people. If you want our opinion, we will gladly give it. But when you just kind of – flood the fantasy market and ask everybody until you get answers that annoys the hell out of me and I, and I, I if i see that I, I won't answer those questions so i know it's it you know take time to split up the, t- the tweets <laughs> yeah I, it, yeah at least do that because if i click on your name and i see that your last nine tweets in the last nine <laughs> minutes are to me eno steve gardner jason collette Freaking Todd Zola, uh, Carabelle, Cockroft, CBS guys, et cetera, et cetera. Then I'm just going to say, you know what? You don't really need my opinion that badly. And I'm not trying to say that Eno and I are, are the end-all, be-all. But if you, if you care about our opinion and you're going to take the time to ask it, then maybe just wait till we answer and don't ask 50,000 other people. So that's, that's something that Colette got on, and I'm fully on that train. So I've been beating that drum a little bit, both on Twitter and on the podcast here. But let's dive into pitchers. We got tons to talk about. We're just going – there's no real strategy talk here. We already kind of did some strategy talk. At this point, we're just going to be talking about these groupings. I just grouped these guys as best, as I, as best I could 
We can't talk about all five in every group, but we'll each probably pick one, maybe two sometimes if we really got to talk about it, guys. So don't don't hesitate. You know, if, if there are two guys in the group you want to talk about, we can get them in. So the first group here, they just missed the cut in that first episode that we talked about starting pitchers, the, the one we did on Tuesday. And, and they're not quite studs, but they're but they're they're really good. And and they've got a chance to be studs if things kind of break in their favor this year, whether it's some uh, skills development or some some good luck. Maybe, you know, just uh, the first guy, Matt Latos, moving to a much bigger park. Not that Cincinnati's ever hurt him, but maybe the spacious park in Miami plus the two dead lineups that he gets to face uh, in in Atlanta and Philly, all of a sudden maybe he's a stud. So this group is Matt Latos, Lance Lynn, Jose Quintana, Chris Archer, opening day starter, Jordano Ventura, also an opening day starter. How do you feel about this group? Who who do you like in in here? You know, for a long time I've I've, I've thought that uh, Lance Lynn is not uh, as good as his ERA. You know, he's a career 3.46 ERA and he's been uh, a fastball cutter guy, uh, fastball breaking ball, let's say. Um, but mostly fastball, a lot of fastballs. I mean, like, you know, he's almost like a Joe Kelly situation where it's just, you know, 80% fastball. He, mm-hmm. he literally threw 79% fastballs last year. Um, so sinker, sinker, uh, four-seam slider, and some curves. But um, And he's never thrown – I mean, he's never thrown his change 10% of the time. Uh, and it's been three years since he's thrown it even 5% of the time. And so I've always thought, you know, why doesn't he get punished by lefties more? And, you know, in his bad years, I guess, uh, there's some bad uh, batting average on balls in play that could suggest that some lefties are hitting him hard. Um, but you normally see from guys like this a, ho- a high uh, homers per nine because um, they give up homers to the left-handed side. And um, you- you've never seen that with him. And Obviously, the park plays a factor, and that helps him. Uh, but, um, you know, and, but people come up with different reasons every year for why he should, you know, beat this problem. Um, and so every year I've kind of been like, ah, I don't know. I haven't had a lot of shares of Lance Lynn over the years, you know, understandable. Uh, and the weird part is now, uh, this many years into his career, I mean, it's not that many years, three years, three full years into his career. Everyone's talking about his changeup. He's time. At- He's added a changeup, and and everyone says it's filthy, and you know the beat writers are writing about it, and John Jay says it's nasty, and uh, Mike Matheny says it's nasty. Of course, these people are on his team, um, but yeah, they, they have a uh, bit of a vested interest, sure. But I think like if you look at the list of the other guys, uh, not necessarily Latos, I think that's more of a health concern. But if you look at Quintana, not a great changeup. He's about fastball command and that curveball, not a great changeup. It's a, it's a show me change. Archer never had a good changeup. Uh, he's, he keeps trying to improve it. He's young enough where it could take a leap, um, and it could be one of those hard changes. I think. I think he could do something like a Felix Hernandez change, but um, you know it hasn't worked out for him just yet. And uh, Jordano Ventura, actually, I think he has the most complete arsenal plus velocity. So I, you know, he's the guy that I would totally uh, pick out of this group if they were all the same price. But Lynn may actually be second. I like Lynn. I like I, I have liked Lynn. I, I've known kind of the shortcomings of him. Uh, and so, it's, you know, it's been understandable that, that people have been a bit concerned. And I'm not even fully buying the sub three ERA of last year because he's really been the same guy for all three of his seasons, kind of a mid mid threes, maybe maybe shading toward that three three area. Uh, and when you look at his FIPS, they're they're all kind of right there. Uh, but can miss bats. 
and and like you said, it, if his change if his change is evolving the way that people think, uh, particularly the Car- Cardinals, like you mentioned, then maybe he can start to get closer to that sub three ERA and and earn some ERAs because the the two years before uh, 2014, Lynn was at 378 and 397, so it was more of a workhorse, you know, get the strikeouts, get the innings, but not much else. Well, last year it took a step forward, but uh, where I would really like to see some gains is the WHIP. And I think that could come from from improving against lefties because obviously they're they're collecting more of those hits than right right handers have been. I think they hit about two sixty ish or something off of him for for his career, whereas righties are down at two forty uh, or, or a couple ticks below that. So if that is improved, all of a sudden we're going to cut into that whip, and I don't need the ERA to be all the way down at two seventy four. I mean, it'd be great if it, if it was, but if it's not, and he kind of bounces back to that 330 area, but does so with a 115 whip and the strikeouts that we've seen from him in the past, Lynn becomes very intriguing. My yeah. guy, uh, go ahead. Well, just to, to finish off the Lynn discussion, um, you know, when Matt Swartz did his work on Sierra, we normally just think uh, things like batting average on balls in play and strand rate, the left-hand base percentage, that these things are agnostic to your to your. Um, to your quality as a pitcher, that those things aren't controllable and that BABIP and, and left-on-base percentage just uh, go to the league mean every year, 370%. But that's not necessarily true. And what Matt Swartz found in, in his Sierra work was that high strikeout pitchers actually have lower BABIPs. Um, and it's also true of really uh, extreme ground ball guys. Um, you know, once you get past 50, 55% ground balls, you actually start to see your, your BABIP go down. Um, and then he also found that they have higher strand rates on average. So, you know, Lynn has had a good strand rate. 75% is above league average. Um, so maybe he has been benefiting that way, but his BABIP is above 300. And for a guy who's struck out almost a batter per inning over his career, you, you'd expect a lower BABIP. So I think that what we are seeing is this uh, platoon split in action. And that's what we've seen is that it's basically killed his whip. Um, it hasn't necessarily killed his homers uh, because of his park, but it has killed his whip. And I think you're right to say that you know this could improve his whip and it could regress him back to sort of 330 instead of 350, 380, 390. And we and we discussed the hip flexor a while ago. No real concern for it. that. Might have been Colette, uh, but it, either way, when 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 the issue came up with Lynn's hip flexor. We're hearing it's no big deal, and that's been borne out. We're seeing so far, at least, it's no big deal. So I'm not worried about him in that piece. Um, I love Quintana. You know, I'm not going to go too deep on him because he kind of mentioned what he is. That fastball command keeps getting better. That curveball, it's kind of his, his money pitch. He has two, two uh, you know, forms of breaking ball. Sometimes he throws what looks like a slide. It might be a classification thing. It might all just be breaking ball uh, or it might all just be curveball, but whatever it is, his breaking ball, however you want to classify it, is very good. If the changeup could just be a little bit more reliable. It's not, it's not been bad, um, at least I, I don't think, but he doesn't need it a lot. But if Quintana actually developed something that was you know kind of a devastating change uh anything like that this guy could i mean i don't even know what kind of ceiling he could have i've just been so impressed with the way that he's incrementally uh developed each year and i i, I don't think he gets any credit for it i, I just think people st- still kind of overlook him as a group 
I'm out there. I'm ready to get this guy. A guy who's done 200 innings two years in a row, I think that goes very underrated too. Maybe get a little bit too caught up in the fact that he's 9-7 and seven and 9-11 and 11 in these last two years. I don't really care so much about that. First yeah. off, I think, I think that team will be better. I'm just going to draft the skills, and the skills uh, are really, strong. Never really look at wins. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, um, he's got a kind of a sub – not a subpar swing strike rate. It's pretty much just league average, but – Considering that he's got these these um, these strikeout rates that are above average, um, it kind of you know I kind of like well how do you strike out eight per nine and have an eight point three percent swinging strike rate? And I know the answer is command, sure, uh, because he's he's got very precise fastball command, and that's it's also the kind of thing that would lead to you, for example, being released by the Yankees um, <laughs> because they think here's a guy with a meh fastball. Um, and uh, just a good curveball, but he doesn't have a change. You know, he might be a reliever. I don't know. There must have been more that went into it because he had a decent year for the Yankees, but he was also in high A That's uh, the thing. at 24, so he must have run out of, of eligibility. He must be sort of a – he was a minor league, um, you know, five-year free agent or whatever. Um, you know, if you don't get out of A ball by the time you're 25 or 20 – I guess in his case he was 23 – um, then I guess, uh, you, you know, people will just say, ah, oh, well, he's just beating up on the kids. So I, I, I do think that the, his arsenal did go into it. And I do think that by this time, 26 years old, I'm not really waiting for the change. Um, but he does, even though it's not a great change, he throws it 10% of the time. So it's still a part of his arsenal. And, um, you know, this is one of the reasons why when, 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 uh, Zimmerman and I did, um, we did benchmarks for these pitches. If you look, if you look for uh, Zimmerman benchmark updates, um, and then put in me and Matt Kane in there, um, you'll see that we did uh, benchmarks uh, for swing strike rates and ground balls, and um, the, we actually split it into two, and we showed the 40th percentile and the 50th percentile uh, because we wanted to show that there are, you know, quote unquote, good pitches that aren't necessarily above average. You know, they're. Pitches that, like, for example, Matt Cain throws a couple of these. Like, he throws a slider that has a 12% swing strike rate. Well, you know, that's not above average because average for the slider is 14. But it is pretty close to the 40th percentile, which means it's a representative pitch and you can use it. It's not a bad pitch. It's so just that's, that's how Quintana's change kind of is. It's not necessarily going to grade out extremely well, but he gets he gets enough value out of it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got uh, Ventura up right now. Let me do Quintana, but I think it's exactly what I'm saying because uh, let me let me see here. I can I can do the numbers real quick. Uh, so his change has eight percent whiffs. That's not good. Uh, that's not even uh, 40th percentile because the the 40th percentile for change is 11.9. But uh, the ground ball rate for the change is um, you know even above average is 46, 47, and um, Quintana uh, has a 50 percent one. Okay. So he uses his change for ground balls. And honestly, it's the same thing Archer does. Archer's change is not good for whiffs. Um, but you can use the change up in different ways. I mean, you can use it, you know, Cobb calls his split finger change up a heavy sinker. And uh, so gross. I mean, he throws a lot of them. Um, and, and Archer is the same way where, I mean, he gets more whiffs. He gets 10% whiffs. Um, and I think that might have even improved last year. But um, in any case, he uh, he gets uh, he he's actually using it more for whiffs. But you can use it for whiffs or for grounders. Quintana chooses, I think, to use his changeup a little bit more for for grounders, whether it's you know on purpose or not. Um, and 
I'm not saying, I'm just saying that I don't see a lot of growth coming for Quintana, and I hope he holds on to what he's got, and I think he's underrated if he does, uh, but I don't see him getting a lot better just because basically his age and his, and his repertoire. Um, so I'm nervous that some of these, one of these years, it's not going to work out, especially in that ballpark. If the velocity drops down to 90, 89, then the command matters less, you know, that sort of stuff I think will matter to him. I'm not sure he's going to have a great long career, but right now I like him too. Yeah, th- th- those are definitely fair concerns. I, l- I like this whole group here. Um, th- these are guys that I- I've been targeting. I think their prices are nice too. Next group is a, basically just a, a, a similar to this first one. They're not quite studs, uh, but I, I couldn't. Ju- I didn't want to do a full grouping of ten guys. So it's just five more guys who have shown some things. Obviously, last year um, or, or or throughout their history. Actually, most of them were good last year. So just kind of a not quite studs part two here. Colin McHugh, Dallas Keuchel. They get paired all the time because they're teammates, not because they're the. They don't have similar skill sets. But uh, Chris Tillman. Racist against white guys. What's that? Racist against white. I hate white guys. They're, they're, they're terrible. Uh, so McHugh, <laughs> Keuchel, Chris Tillman, Scott Casimir, and Jason Hamill. F- five white guys. Um, let's, let's, talk, <laughs> let's talk about these not-quite-stud uh, five whites here. My favorite one in this group, I, I, I mean, I, I like I, I like a bunch of these guys too, to be quite honest. But um, I beat the drum pretty pretty firmly for, for Chris Tillman. This is another guy. I don't know that there's going to be too much more coming because again, it's the same thing that you're saying about Quintana. It, it, it plays, you know. He's he's gonna be age 27. Are we really gonna see major growth? The thing is, though, his secondary arsenal, when it's at its best, it is exquisite, and it should miss more bats. I don't quite understand why he doesn't have a better strikeout rate. I imagine it's. It, it, I mean, well, I, I've seen it at different times. It's in part due to his sequencing and the fact that that he doesn't. Set set batters up as well as he could, but he gets the job done. And I I value a guy who's done, gone out there for 200 plus innings two years in a row. I think that that part is underrated. That's another reason that I like Quintana, a guy you can actually trust to go out there. We talk we throw down we throw out the 200 inning numbers so often uh, about guys and say oh I'm gonna get 200 innings here, 200 innings here. You go look at the guys. Uh, B-Ref page or his Fangraphs page, and you see he's actually never gone 200 innings, and and this guy is saying he's going to get 200 out of him. Well, with Tillman, Quintana, you're going to get 200, uh, obviously, unless things go right, but they've now proven it two years in a row that they can go out there and do that. So even if I get a repeat of last year from Tillman, 3-3-4 ERA, 1-2-3 whip, uh, the strikeouts aren't great, but I think that at least the 2013 strikeout rate for Tillman is back in play. And again, it wasn't even that great at uh, 21%, but I'll take it. I'll, I will take that over last year's, which was just uh, 17%. I think he can jump back up into the 20s. I think the team, the Baltimore team, will be solid. So you know, like I said, like you said, we don't care about wins. We're not. We're not judging off of them. We're not uh, picking players based off of them. But the fact is. Goes deep in the games, logs a lot of innings, puts him in a good shot to get wins on a good club. So I like Chris Tillman. Like I said, he's not flashy. He's not special. But as like a rotation stabilizer, especially if I can get him as my SP4, I'll take that all day. Yeah, one th- interesting thing about Tillman is that he's got a rise ball. He's got a 11 inches of rise on his, on his fastball. And I just did some quick math. Um, and you could add 
maybe point two, point three to his K nine. So uh, based on the pop ups that he gets over league average, the, the really, really interesting thing about the rise ball is I think that you know having a rising fastball does lead to pop ups. That's what my research has concluded. And then um, you know having pop ups are automatic outs, so you can almost add them to strikeout rate. So what I just but the problem is that um, the spread of talent within the pop-up rate skill is not wide. Okay. So, uh, so for example, uh, Tillman does get more pop-ups than usual. He has a 4% pop-up rate for his career. The, um, the average pop-up rate for the league is 3.3%. The difference between uh, what Tillman has done and what, what he would do if he was a league average guy for pop-ups over the full season is about five pop-ups. <laughs> so not not cra- not crazy. So being I mean, those, elite doesn't those, give you a huge advantage. Those are outs. I put them back into a strikeout rate. Instead of a 6.5 K9, he had a 6.7. So, you know, that that brings him up a little bit. It also, those are outs that, are, that were considered fly balls. Um, so when you look at his home run per fly ball rate, the 8.3% may not be as far off as you think it is. You may not regress, you know, all the way to 10 or 11%. Um, for home runs for fly ball. So he may have another year where he has 9% home runs for fly ball because a pop-up counts as a fly ball, but it's a, it's an out. That, that, that's, so. a, that's a great point, by, by the way. Your, your work, your talk about uh, pop-ups and inf- infield flies is really – I've been investigating it a lot this offseason. I love it. I love how you kind of add it as, you know, auto outs yeah they don't count as strikeouts in terms of fantasy you know you you can't add 10 strikeouts to his ledger for that or anything like that but when you're talking about getting the automatic outs maybe you don't have to worry so much about a lower k percentage for chris tillman because he's getting those outs elsewhere and he might even be doing it in a more efficient manner if you're getting a two-pitch pop-up as opposed to an eight-pitch strikeout well, that helps too. Again, that that's anecdotal. That we don't know how often his pop up uh, uh, or, or how long pitches per plate appearances that he's having for his pop ups. But you get my point. Yeah, uh, you know, Tillman is actually pretty interesting from a lot of different angles because um, you know he's also a big curveball uh, guy. Let me uh, let me just do a quick uh, two channel bad space eight seven one. Uh, well, yeah, he's about league average in terms of pitches per plate appearance, maybe a little bit more. Uh, I think maybe you're right. Maybe he could sequence a little better. But one thing that is interesting about him is he has this big old curveball that's really fun to watch. Um, and I love it to death, but it doesn't get great called, uh, swing strike rates because it's a 75-mile-an-hour curveball and it's huge and honking and people are, you know, just don't swing at it. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a lot of called strikes on that thing. Uh, because you know you have to gear up for ninety ninety one, and then um, you know this you know the seventy five mile an hour big old you know twelve sixer is coming in. You you think you're 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 not going to swing at it, and then it drops into the zone. So I think that he does a couple of things that don't always show up in the metrics in terms of called strikes. That's you know that's his swing strike rate's pretty bad, um, and, uh, and I think that's probably part of it. And then uh, the rise ball is another way that he gets more out of his package than you think. So. You know, I don't. I think that the projections are a little bit light. I mean, it, you know, a four, a four ERA uh, out of him, a one three WHIP. I mean, he, he, we've we've seen him now for two and a half years, and he hasn't he hasn't done that yet. No, and he like I think we just covered the fact that he does stuff that kind of beats 
or 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 maybe tricks kind of the FIP and the X FIP Sierra kind of stuff. Yeah. Because you gotta look a little bit deeper. And there are certain guys like that, but you can't just always assume that a guy's like that. That's why you kinda gotta dig deeper. Or you know and I will do the work for you as we've done with Tillman. So <laughs> um yeah, I like him. Who do you like in this in this grouping here? Again, I'll I'll recover or I'll I'll uh, review. It's Mc, it's McHugh, Keiko, Tillman, Scott Casmir, and Jason Hamill. You know, I guess uh, I think there's actually an injury thing. You could almost throw Keuchel in because he did have the, the the weird thing that happened to his hand, and that kept his innings down. And also, since he changed, he, he said that he had this big old golf size, um, you know, golf size swelling in his in his in his hand, uh, and he thinks it was related to to throwing the slider, which he hadn't um, thrown before. Um, so I think you can throw him in there because that seems like. Uh, Here's a direct injury related directly to his change in pitching mix. So mm-hmm. if, if I'm going to say anything about McHugh throwing 45% breaking balls, then I have to say that Keiko throwing the slider is, is a bit of an injury risk because it is, because it happened. Um, and then Casimir is just a walking injury risk. And then Hamill's the same thing. I mean, Hamill, I don't know, I don't have his page up, but it's like 150 innings is a max for him. Yeah, uh, he's he hasn't been able to stay healthy. for For as well as he pitched last year, uh, and, and for the glimpses that he's shown throughout his career, I don't know that he gets – he somehow avoids that tag even though he's been on the DL you know, a couple times. His, his, his first breakout bid with the Orioles was cut short due to injury. Now, it wasn't an arm injury. It was a knee, but still, injuries have, have kind of gotten to him a good bit. Um, he went the full season last year though, I believe, right? Let me, let me pull it up. I got uh, – well, 100, uh, only 176. So he didn't even he didn't even get up, uh, you know, to 190 plus last year. So we still got to see that real full season, that 32 start season from Hamill. But like you said, this is this is a bit of an injury group uh, all told, except for Tillman. Yeah, and I think that then what you can do is, since I think you've actually grouped these pretty well. I mean, I think a lot of these players are the kind of players that you're looking at in certain groupings. So, um, and I, I think what you can just do with the McHugh, Keuchel, Casimir, Hamill uh, grouping is just, you know, just give them 150 innings and then talk about who you want best. You know, who you think is going to be the best in those 150 innings. And it's not necessarily going to be exactly 150 innings, but the, the, I think one of, one of the, there's two problems with projecting pitching. One is they change a lot. They change their pitching mix, you know, the Lancelin change-up problem. And then, you know, the other is that innings pitched is it's tied into injury, it's tied into role changes, all that stuff. So innings pitched is just really hard to project. It's way harder than than plate appearances. So I, I'm I'm saying 150. I don't mean 150. I mean you know take them out of the 200 out of the running for 200 innings, and then talk about how good they are per inning pitched. And I think I'd probably take McHugh, then Casimir, then Keuchel, then Hamill, um, just based on you know. The Arsenal McHugh has three as two breaking balls that are really nice. Keuchel has the slider and a really good chain. There's no standout Arsenal necessarily, and there's no standout pitch. So Hamill falls out to the wayside because he's most mostly fastball slider. I think that's a, that's a good uh, summation of that group. Now let's jump to a group that is injury concerns. I mean, you mentioned there's some injury hanging overhead of that last group, but this one, it, it's fully there. Whether right now. <laughs> Or in their history, a couple of them right now are already dealing with it. Others have had it throughout their history. And this group is Michael Pineda, Homer Bailey. He's one of the ones dealing with it right now. Brandon McCarthy, 
first 200 inning season last year, but we know what the injuries that he's dealt with coming coming up to that season. Drew Smiley, the other guy dealing with it right this moment, and then Doug Fister, a guy who two of the last three years I think has been like 160-ish innings, and then his big 200 inning year uh, in the middle there. But you know the tall, lanky guy that uh, Doug Fister, he's had you know oblique issues. Just as good as he's been, he hasn't been able to stay on the field as much as we'd like. And and so even if you add up all of his career, it's it's almost kind of a every every other year he gets the 200 innings. He went 171, 216, 162, 209, 164 last year. Hey, if we want to use that, which you shouldn't, by the way, because those are those, those either those one on one off things are not predictable. But <laughs> if you want to buy into those, then this year is the time for 200 plus innings from Doug Fister. But as he gets older, now 31, I think you have to be weary, uh, wary of that. This group, lots of upside here. These guys could all be superstars if they if they threw the 200 innings. But how the heck can you feel confident that? Any single one of them is going to get the 200. So talk to me about who you would most make the bet on for that, uh, for even 180. Let's 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 lower the threshold. Let's say you don't even need a full season, but who are you going to bet on to get that 175, 180 out of this grouping? Yeah. Uh, do you want the guy who's perennially hurt or the guy who's hurt right now? Exactly. Uh, That's the choice. <laughs> and because. I think you could put uh, you put Bailey in the hurt right now category with Smiley. Um, I don't think that Smiley's been necessarily hurt as often. No, no, th- th- this is this is new for him. I just had to figure a way to get him in because uh, before no, his, in- I mean, he's a, he's also an innings risk. I mean, just in general because he's uh, never done it, right? And he's you know in bullpen. So um, yeah, I think uh, I think Smiley and Bailey are the hurt now. Pineda, McCarthy, and Vista are the hurt always categories. Um, it's really hard to choose between them. I mean, McCarthy- Here, I'll do this. Uh, let me do this then. Let me let me let me flip it. I'm gonna give them all 180. You tell me who you'd want. If you if I if I could promise you that they're all gonna get that that well we'll, we'll cut it to 175. We'll just knock a, a five yeah. off to get those two guys who are already hurt in there. We'll just say they're all gonna get 175. Then who do you want? Uh, Homer Bailey. Uh, yeah, I me just, too. I think that. He's got the best arsenal. He managed to keep his velocity at 94. Um, you know, he's got he's got all the pitches he needs. Um, you know, he's in the National League. I think that helps a little. Um, Smiley, you know, is sort of missing that changeup. McCarthy hasn't really put it all together yet. He does have the added velocity, but it was a little bit of a mid-career velocity boost. So I don't know about that one so much. And then Pineda, you know, I I've been poo-pooing him for so long. Um, that That's I think reason. I think I'm back around to where you know I'm interested in him again. Um, I, I took him in uh, in a trade we talked about a long time ago. I took him and um, you know the one thing I have to remember when I talk crap on him is Anibal Sanchez because um, Pineda Anibal Sanchez had a slap surgery. Um, you know I, I forget. I think uh, maybe 2007. Okay. Because he had 30 innings that year. Yeah, because he used to all. Annabelle Sanchez. People forget because he had, you know, that that run there where he was going a buck ninety, uh, and and really lasting for a while. Buck ninety five for three straight years, then one eighty two in twenty thirteen. He was actually showing some durability, but in his early twenties, Annabelle Sanchez could not stay on the field. Yeah, I think he had he had labrum surgery, so he's a, he's a um, 
he's a guy that uh, did well with it, and he was 23. Um, so Pineda had uh, labor and surgery uh, in 2013 um, when he was uh, 24. So I think, you know, the, 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 the younger you are when you have these things, uh, the better off you are. Um, and uh, I guess what I'm saying is that, uh, well, see, Animal Sanchez had more pitches. Uh, so I don't know if that helps him or, or hurts him, you know, in terms of uh, health. Um, but um, Pineda, uh, you know, could have a run of 190 uh, inning seasons. Uh, you I, know, I, just to return to that. But um, I hate to parrot you, but but he's my he's my number two guy too, uh, Pineda. I, I I think that if I could be guaranteed that he was going to get that big workload. Which we we've seen a big-ish workload. We saw 171 from him in that rookie year, and we saw what he could do. I mean, he strike out per inning, great ERA or great WHIP. Uh, ERA was a little high, but everything that was tied to it suggested that it probably should have been a, a couple ticks lower. It was 374. His FIP was 342, and like I said, strikeout per inning under three walks, just under by the way, 2.9. But uh, the hits were low, seven homers were uh, under one. So it was really weird that he got saddled with that 374 ERA. He was a bit unlucky. Uh, I think if I could get Pineda for for 175, I would definitely take him second to Bailey, um, and then it would probably be. McCarthy, Smiley, Fister, and Fister's last because I just don't know that the strikeouts are going to return because I think it's a choice by him to to just try to be more efficient, uh, not worry about the strikeout, take them where they come, but but really focus on that ground ball efficiency method, which can be very useful. It's just not as useful to us in fantasy in the fantasy game, which is why I'd have to put him last on this list. But again, it's a very intriguing list. I'll be I'll be getting shares of these guys throughout. I don't want to overinvest on any one of them because of the injury risk. But these are the kind of guys you got to take a shot on because one of them one of these five is definitely going to pop. Uh, in, in, I shouldn't say pop when we're talking about injuries, guy, guys, because that usually means negative that they're they're going to burst. But I, I'm saying pop and be amazing this year. We just don't know which one, which makes it tough, of course. I'll, I'll move Smiley ahead of um, Fister and McCarthy. Fister and McCarthy to me are uh, a little bit uh, fungible. Uh, you know, I like talking to McCarthy, so I hope he doesn't listen. But uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, we're just talking about fantasy, not in real right. life, obviously. Uh, you know, but both of them in in real life are are firm number threes, uh, who who are awesome. So yeah, even if Brandon is listening, which he's definitely one thousand percent not, um, <laughs> we're not we're not slamming you, and you're you're obviously a great follow on Twitter. It's just in the fantasy realm. You yeah, know. yeah, because uh, you know, I mean, I take Smiley's strikeout rates uh, and swing strike rates have been interesting to me, um, and um, you know. I haven't heard him about learning the uh, Cobb splitter or anything, but um, you know, I think a cutter and a curve uh, by itself is probably good enough. I, I uh, think so too, and I was really excited about him before the before the injury hit. So that that one was a bummer. Honestly, if he'd been healthy, we probably would have gotten him in on the in the first show. Um, he, he'd have been close to getting talked about in that first show, or maybe he'd have been in the first group that we did out of the gate here in, in this yeah. episode. He, he would have been somebody I was really eager to talk about. I'm just a little bit nervous about the injury, but again, I can't fully run away from Smiley because I think the upside is substantial there. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's talk about our next group. These are the, uh, I, I just labeled them as quality veterans. Um, people don't like veterans in the fantasy game. Yeah, they just they they just don't because these guys are all going, you know, at least a full round lower than they probably quote unquote should. 
in some instances, two, three rounds later, just because it feels boring. There's not really upside. There is some downside, of course, because you never know when a, when a pitcher is just going to kind of uh, hit that downslide there. But these guys are worth taking a look at. Francisco Liriano, Matt Cain, John Lackey, Irvin Santana, Jared Weaver. Let's let's talk a little bit about some veterans who used to be the next big things that we used to fawn over, and now we're 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 so tired of them just delivering uh, quality <laughs> season after quality season. Not not all of them. I know Lariano had his issues big time. Santana has a few duds on his track record. Kane was hurt last year. Um, Weaver, you know, is is throwing like 82 uh, with his fastball. <laughs> uh, not not that low, guys. That that's a joke. I should have used a much better joke number. I should have said like 64 <laughs> or something because people will take 82 seriously. But yeah, they, they're not they're not flawless here. I'm not suggesting that we're building rotations around these guys, but they continually get overlooked for the next big thing. And in some instances, I think that next big thing should not be taken ahead of these guys. So who do you like out of the group of crusty vets? You know, one of the things that might be surprising is, uh, I don't know where, I, I, I can't find it right now, but I, I saw um, Jeff Zimmerman's DL predictions projections this year for, for starting pitchers, and uh, Lackey was like third on it. Oh, snap. Yeah, I was pretty surprised by that. I mean, you'd think that Liri- like a guy like Liriano would be uh, higher, yeah. Much more likely to be a sort of perennial injury risk. Um, and... Uh, and so that that always that always hurts me for him because I mean he's only once managed more than 162 innings, um, and that was when, with the Twins in 2010. So I, I mean I think there's no way you can project him for more than 160 innings. I think even Steamer's 174 that would be a six year high. So um, you know I, I think uh, and that's Liriano by the way that you're talking about just for anyone who might have mistaken when you were going Lackey to Liriano there. Lackey, he seems to be boom or bust. It's kind of weird. Liriano is like, you know, just going to take some time off. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's guaranteed time off. Lackey's and, like, I'm going to either pitch you 190 innings or I'm going to pitch you zero. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's the kind of risk that you have to factor in. And, and Because, yeah, like you said, there's no way that anybody would, would – with their brain on straight, I don't know what the hell that phrase means, but uh, <laughs> anybody thinking clearly can go in and be like, well, I'm going to get I'm gonna get 180 innings out of Liriano. Not a chance. <laughs> However, he's one of those guys who can pack a season's worth of value into 150 innings when he's going well. And, you know, we've seen the last two years, 161 and 162, two high-quality ERAs, two great strikeout rates, one solid whip, and then one – not going to kill you, but definitely not good whip uh, and bordering on bad in like a 10-team mixer. But has his uses, does Liriano, when he is pitching, you just have to be ready to prepare. So I'm more apt to take him in a league where I can easily replace him, even like a 10-team mixer, even though there might be uh, you know, other arms that might be you know look a little bit more intriguing cause to get the 200 innings. Maybe I'll take Liriano, try to get what I can out of him, and then just replace him in season because it won't be hard. Yeah, you know the one thing that uh, the one thing that this grouping is making me think about, though, is what you what you're aiming to get out of this crowd. What are you aiming? What do you want to get? And when I see these names, I see uh, I see sort of deeper league. I want 200 innings. You know, yeah, like you're really hoping for that. And I think case- I'm thinking like almost like in my innings eater. I'm looking for the meat of my staff. I'm looking for a guy that I can just plug in and he'll get me that 200 innings, like Kane used to be. 
And, I, and so therefore, I think Kane, you know, I think he still is there. I mean, it wasn't a huge surgery for the amount of innings he's thrown to just have elbow uh, spurs or whatever. I, I think um, he's been a very healthy guy. So, you know, I, I do like Liriano and his per inning stuff is good. But I, I have a feeling that in the league in which he is more most relevant to me, his skill set is the least interesting because I would want someone who I can sort of depend on because I they're not quite uh, only type arms, but they're down there where I'm, you know, I'm probably taking like a Disclafani, right? Because exactly, and that, I'm yeah, taking a shot at I, I'm I'm using my SP five pick or my SP six pick or a bench pick to like you know, take a shot at a top three guy as opposed to, you know, eh, I'll just take Matt Cain from an SP5 and just, you know, he'll be okay and, you know, blah. You know, no, so no, you're exactly but if right. But I'm in an NL only league, Matt Cain, oh, yes, give me some innings, give me some respectable innings, and I have to take those shots on worse names than Discafani later. Or, you know, it, it changes everything. So I, I see these guys as being much more relevant in deeper leagues, and in which case – the guys that appeal to me the most almost are Urban Santana and Jared Weaver just because there hasn't been the same injury risk about them. Uh, they've, they've gone out there and performed. And, you know, Urban Santana, to me, I can't believe he hasn't had injuries because he just keeps throwing slider after slider. But, I, I mean, I like the fact that he threw that changeup last year. And I've talked about this before. His home runs per fly ball rate went down. I think there's no accident to that because he finally had something he threw against lefties. Uh, his strikeout rate was a career high. His swing strike rate was a career high. So I like everything about his line last year except for the ERA. Stealing and, all of my Santana thunder, literally. <laughs> you know what? I don't even have to. I don't even have to talk about him now because he was my pick for the exact reasons you're talking about. When you're when you're going through your draft, and let's say you've got a Carrasco and a Drew Hutchison, you know you've got some risk uh, in your in your uh, within your first four guys. Uh, first four or five, again, depending how aggressively you're drafting. Even a Michael Walker, whom I love this year, but still has the shoulder kind of lingering. So you've got some concern. You want to get that nice 200, almost bankable innings of at least, at least league average work, if not better. Santana's the guy. I agree with you on all counts there. So we can move on to the next group because you, you, you did a great job uh, talking about the crusty vets. Now we're talking about the guys who they are often passed up for, and it's the upside-laden but unproven guys. You know, we, we get the stars in our eyes about these guys and we just want to take them. And sometimes we pass on those veterans because of what could be. And a lot of times, if, if the league format is right, then I, then I fully uh, support the move of going for a Taiwan Walker, Shelby Miller, James Paxton, Matt Shoemaker, Kevin Gaussman. Now, Shoemaker stands out in that group like a sore thumb because he doesn't have the prospect pedigree of those other four, but he went out and put up a great season last year. And so so he's got a better MLB track record than I'd say three of them, you know, better than Walker, Paxton and Gaussman because of the volume for which he's been successful. So that's why I finagled him into this group, even though he doesn't follow in, in terms of the prospect pedigree. They've all got upside, but they're all unproven. Talk to me a little bit about this group here. I mean, in terms of demonstrated stats in the major leagues, I think Shoemaker is the guy. I mean, you know, and I and I put major leagues there on purpose because, you know, there are, there are other guys that have had better numbers uh, at different parts of their career, and Shoemaker's minor league stats were no good, but terrible. You know, whatever it is that made this work, and what's weird is that I haven't heard him say that he changed anything 
big time from the minor leagues to the major leagues. There's just something about what he's doing in the major leagues. And, you know, maybe command, because there were some years where he had worse command in the minor leagues, and then he came up to the majors, the command was great. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe he didn't make any sort of mechanical change or arsenal change, and so he doesn't necessarily see it as a big command improvement, but the the fact is that his command was so good last year with that splitter, and even with his fastball low in the zone, obviously uh, – or, or um, not obviously because if you didn't watch, you didn't know that. But whenever I watched, it was obvious that once he got up past the, the middle of the zone and started elevating the ball, that's when trouble really ensued. But when he's working, that lower half, uh, you know, it's just above the knees and below, particularly with the fastball and, and splitter – he was devastating, and I was like, how? How is this guy devastating? He was so crappy in the minors. We never heard anything about uh, any sort of plus pitch, really. Uh, he was a prospect by virtue of the fact that he was on a team with a terrible farm system. So, you know, Shoemaker kept popping up in the back end of top ten lists or as a guy to keep an eye on, whereas if he had been in, you know, the the hot systems, the the Cubs – the Houston's, the uh, I mean, actually, I'm trying to think of the ones that were hot back in the day, like Texas and St. Louis. Uh, obviously, both still have, but when they were at their peak, he would have never sniffed a top 30 list. I don't think with 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 the way those two clubs were operating. So, uh, Shoemaker, I think it was really just command, and, and we need to see that command uh, stay this year. That's obviously going to be the driving force. I could see his strikeouts coming down, but I still think he's going to be a guy who doesn't walk people, and and he's going to have a higher home run rate uh, from a home run per nine standpoint because when he misses, he misses badly, but I don't think he's going to have a high volume of homers. So I think we could see them, you know, like I said, a mistake. He's going to give up that, that homer, but usually it's a solo shot. Uh, I don't know. I, I I'm kind of sold on him. Whereas when he first came up, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not buying this 27 year old nobody. Sorry, Matt. I know Matt's listening for sure, and I just called him a nobody. So I apologize to him. Uh, we're <laughs> making we're making fun of too many guys today. We're gonna lose some. We're gonna lose some friends. But uh, yeah. So like I said, I know he kind of sticks out like the sore thumb in this grouping because he doesn't have the prospect pedigree. But what he did last year, I think, needs to be taken seriously, and you can't ignore him. Now let's focus on the prospects here. These, these are four of the brightest prospects over the last few years. Taiwan Walker, James Paxton, Shelby Miller, Kevin Gaussman. Who do you like best from those four? Um, I think it's, it's a nice group. Uh, I, I definitely uh, like them. I'm going to go with Paxton. Okay. And it, it kills me because I traded him to you once. Yes. And, you know, when he was coming up, there was, you know, what's his third pitch? I mean, it's all the classic questions. What's his third pitch? Does he have enough command? And what's his true velocity? Because he's kind of bounced around. But he's really just, I think he's answered all those questions in the affirmative. You know, his true velocity is 94 or so. And um, his third pitch, whether or not it's the slider or the change, is good enough. And given the fact that his primary pitch is a tight curve, which has a actually is one of the most platoon neutral pitches in baseball and it even has a little bit a slight reverse platoon split um that means that he's got you know a fairly good weapon to be a two-pitch guy but it's not just a two-pitch guy because i think there's enough there um with his other pitches that um that and also you know the 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 park is going to give him a little bit of a leeway so um you know, I think all the things are there that he needs. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe I think maybe he should be throwing the slider a little bit more. 
Um, but uh, and maybe trust the change a little bit more. The the change doesn't have great numbers by itself, but since he has this great, you know, really fast four seam, he doesn't throw a two seam. The change can actually sort of function as his two seam. Um, and I and I think that you know, along with the representative slider, fifty percent of the time, good outcomes on the slider, and then the plus curve. It's one of the better curves in baseball. I mean, it's, it's so like so gross. Nineteen percent whiff rate. I mean, you're talking about when you're talking about Tywan Walker. Yes, he's doing well uh, in the spring. He's made an adjustment. He has the knuckle curve that's really nice. Uh, he has the velocity. He has the same questions as Paxton, but he hasn't answered them yet. Um, and, and even Gossman has a lot of the same questions. What's his third pitch? We do know what his velocity is like, but what's his command level like? Because in the minors, Gossman had great command, and then he hasn't really shown in the majors. So I think Paxton has answered more questions and yet still has that sort of a little bit of upside and a little bit of uh, je ne sais quoi about him. No, I, I, I completely agree with, with your analysis. By the way, with regards to Paxton's changeup, I like that he does throw it. 10% of the time because it wasn't getting great results. But when you watch him, you still see him snap off a, a really good one every once in a while. It gives you uh, confidence that it can get better. And the fact that he didn't really go away from it, even when it was kind of getting beaten around, I mean, <laughs> it was a tiny sample, I think like 25 plate appearances, but right, he's hit 400 off of it. So, it, you know, there, there would be, you could almost excuse him if he started to go away from it and focus back on the curveball or even push some of that, <laughs> that quantity to the slider, but he's you know, thinking, listen, I got to develop this. I got to make it better because I can become a superstar. I, th- I really think he has superstar upside. Now he's got to show some durability to go with everything, but the stuff is in place for somebody like Paxton. And I love his teammate. I'm, I'm really, I'm really hyped on Taiwan Walker. I have been, you know, coming up again, not, 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 uh, out on a limb here in my own bandwagon on Taiwan Walker. You know, he's a top 10 prospect uh, at just about every outlet for the last couple of years too. So definitely joining the, the pack there. But I really like this guy. I think he can be a superstar as well. He's got the stuff to be a stud. But now he's had a little bit of durability too. We saw him throw 82 innings in the minors last year and 38 at the majors. But both of these guys really need to show that they can go out there and, and, and give a full season of work. Walker, I'm not as concerned because he's only going to be 22 this year. I think Paxton is 25. Um, but neither is really in some sort of danger zone that you have to worry. I just think that Walker's upside uh, to be a stud is is uh, could be reached quicker. I still think Paxton might take that, that stair-step approach where, okay, he puts up his first full season of 182 innings or something, and, it, and it's good but not great, and then – uh, we, we we get hyped on it, and then next year he kicks butt, um, or or maybe even in two years he's he's like really really good. Whereas I think Walker could be one of those breakouts this year that that really kind of uh, captures our attention, and then all of a sudden we're overrating the hell out of him next year. And guys like you and me are saying, listen, back off on Walker a little bit. It was one year of excellence. We're not sure that you should be drafting him as a top 15 starter. You know, so, something like I could see something like that sort of progression. So that's why I like Walker. I just think his stuff is devastating. And no, I'm not just uh, hyped on him because of his what 14 scoreless, thir- uh, 12 scoreless uh, <laughs> spring training innings. It's it's not that. I assure you that I've liked him well before that. But it is nice to see him out there, you know, really establishing himself and, and not letting Ruinus Ilias kind of sneak in and get a spot or Rasmo Ramirez. He's saying, listen, you better give me a damn spot. Here's 12 scoreless. Down <laughs> your 
Well, you know, looking at Walker's movement charts is uh, kind of eye porn. I mean, baseball porn. He just he has a, a rising fastball, eleven inches of rise on his four seam. He has a he hasn't thrown many sinkers, but it has eleven inches of of, of arm side run. That's that's a big number. Uh, his curve is a twelve sixer. Even if it is a knuckle curve, it's a big knuckle curve. Uh, his cutter. Is uh, is goes 91 miles an hour, which is a, is a nice velocity for a cutter. And then he has a split finger, which uh, you know doesn't drop as much as some split fingers, but it drops five to six inches more than his fastball. So, and it is the the, the pitch with the most drop other than his curve. So he really has a lot of crooked numbers uh, when his movement charts. And I think that's probably why he's had some issues with commanding it. And uh, but it's also why we love him so much. I mean, just you know. Paxton's uh, numbers are, you know, he's still got the 95 mile an hour. But the, the curve is tighter. The change is flatter. You know, it's not, uh, he doesn't have as much movement uh, per se. But he's a lefty, so that, that helps him out a little bit. And 95 from a lefty is more above average than 95 from a righty. So, um, and, and then back to your last point about Paxton, uh, he's thrown uh, five, almost 500 uh, curves, sliders, and, um, I forget what the last pitch was here. Let's see here. Uh, curved sliders and cutters, right? He's thrown 500 curved sliders and cutters and has not given up a home run. Oh, my gosh. He's thrown 180 change-ups, and he's given up, um, I guess it looks like three homers. Uh, let's see. I, I can confirm that. I was just on his page. But of course, I left it to talk about our next guy because we're going to talk. We're gonna yeah, talk. The, one, it's a, the changeup is the one with the home run rate. It's a hundred. It's one percent, one point two percent home run rate on his changeup, and uh, a point four percent home run rate on his four seam. So, um, it's the changeup. You're right. It's the changeup that got beat around. That's another. It's just another way of saying you're right. Um, and like, uh, any ways you can find to say that I'm right, I'm I'm cool <laughs> with. Let, let me just be clear well, on let's that. Let's not forget uh, Miller and Gaussman. Gaussman, we today. Oh, hey. We saw Gaussman, his slider get beat around. A yes, little bit. and I was going to ask you to talk to me because yeah, I was going to say we're gonna, we're not going to we're not going to skip this group after talking about those two Mariners because uh, we we got to talk about Gaussman for the exact reason that you're bringing up. So go ahead. He gave up that 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 moon shot to Victor Martinez, which was wind aided, but it was going a long way even without the wind. And we both pretty much simultaneously said, "Well, looks like the slider's not quite there. <laughs> At least it wasn't on that pitch." Obviously, we're not going to make sweeping judgments based on one one pitch, especially to an elite hitter anyway, but that's the missing piece right now. He needs a breaker that he can trust because the fastball and splitter are devastating, and he even has two distinct change-ups, a splitter and a, and a, and a change-up. So, you know, he's got he's got the, the, the changing speeds down, but something with a wiggle, uh, it's, it's not, or with a wrinkle, I should say, isn't there yet. What do you think with regards to Gaussman and, and the slider progression? Do you think it's something that can advance this year, or is it going to hold him back and kind of keep him in that 350 ERA ceiling when his when his talent uh, from the other two pitches and his pedigree suggests that he could be something in the low threes? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, his slider, uh, it's too slow, I think. I think it's too slow because it, it's 82 miles an hour, and it doesn't have curved curveball drop. I mean, there's a lot of curveballs out there that are 82 miles an hour. So you, you've got this kind of slow slider that doesn't have as much drop. I think that hitter's eyes just open up wide. And, um, yeah, from an outcome standpoint, uh, the slider gave up more homers than anything. Um, and, and it didn't get, 
average whiffs or and it really didn't get any ground balls. So the the slider's a problem, and I just, just wish he came up with a different organization, man. I swear to God, I think a cutter would do everything for him. If he threw a cutter that was 88 miles an hour, it would look it would come in around the same as his change is 87. His straight change is 87. His splitter is 85. His, his four seam is 96. His sinker is 93. If he had something that was 88, it would look, it would come in around the same. They wouldn't know what it was, you know? And then it would, it would just have a little bit of movement at the end. Um, you know, a little bit of late sort of uh, cutterish movement to, to distinguish it from the splitter and the change drop, right? So mm-hmm. you would have a flat pitch that would be that would break in a different direction, bore in on lefty's hands, uh, that sort of deal, and it would um, it would be in the right pitch range, the speed range. But at 82, I think people just see oh slider, and uh, let me hit it. So and they, d- and they do. And Baltimore doesn't teach the cutter. I mean, just think about this. Don't Cole they, for, don't they even forbid it, by the way? Because that, yeah. that I mean, that that drove the breakout for Arietta when he left that when he left the club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Arietta says that he has all sorts of different slides. You know, sometimes it's on the on the player. I mean, I've I've had uh, I've talked to people where they've said, oh yeah, you know, just say you're working on whatever this, that they're working on and work on what you need to work on. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Oh, does it look like a cutter? I don't know. It's just how I'm throwing it. Um, and, uh, you know, another thing that I would say is think about Cole Hamels came up, uh, great fastball velocity, great command, uh, great changeup, but he wasn't great. Uh, he wasn't great at first because he gave up too many homers and, mm-hmm. you know, he was missing something. And then he, he added that cutter and it just, it, it brought everything together. So I, I'm, I'm agnostic on Gossman. I'm, I, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that extra pitch. I don't see it yet. Um, and, uh, and I don't know, I don't know with Miller, you know, it's somewhat similar in that he fastball curveball guy and he's looking for that third pitch. I think it's not going to be the change. He added a sinker and a cutter. And I think the three fastballs and the curveball are going to be enough if, uh, he gets a little more sizzle back on that curveball. I mean, it was, it really showed up on all the wrong lists last year. Um, so I, I think, you know, drop the change. Do fastball, cutter, slider, and be a uh, cutter uh, curve, and be kind of a Garrett Richards a little bit. Absolutely, I, I just think that uh, some of the disdain for for Miller has has really gone on to the to the far end there, uh, to where he, you know, as as Nate and Matthew Berry at ESPN used to say, the hate's gone too far. You got to kind of kind of rein that back in. And uh, Shelby Miller's not even somebody I necessarily love, but. I still think there's a lot of talent there, hey. and I, you know, going to that team has pushed it down even further because they suck so badly that I think everyone's like, oh, anything Atlanta outside of Freddie Freeman, I don't want to touch. Well, you know what? They've actually got some good pitchers, so that's that's the crazy yeah, thing. And I don't really seven, give. Yeah, three seven ERA and a one point two WHIP in a bad year. Exactly. And what if the strikeouts return? I don't think it's unreasonable to believe that his strikeout rate spikes back up because honestly, 2013 is more representative of his arsenal than the 2014 rate uh, when he had 6.2. Sorry, I was on B-Ref, not on Fangraph, so I couldn't give you the strikeout percentage. But, you know, I, 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 I just think that he's better than what we saw. And he's 23 and or 24 now this year. I think you know it's you've seen it a million times in the pages of fan graphs and and throughout the the baseball writing internet. You, young players don't always grow in a linear fashion. It, it doesn't just necessarily always stair step up incrementally a little bit. Sometimes you go you you have a great year, 
come back down a little bit and then get back up on track and 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 then maybe start you know four years of of quality work so like you said it wasn't even a bad year sure the FIP was but you didn't get punished for his FIP you still got a 374 ERA if you rostered him last year so everyone chill out a little bit on Miller give him a little bit of a break and honestly uh reap the discount because I think he's going at a, at a nice price these days uh next group is very similar they're just another like I said couldn't put 10 in one group uh another upside laden unproven guys you know I could have mixed and matched these two groups I, I didn't really pick them for any reason except that Walker and Paxton were in the same one because they're teammates but it's this one's Danny Duffy Willie Peralta Drew Pomerantz Trevor Bauer and Jake Odorizzi who do you like most out of this this group of, of young bucks trying to make a high impact I'm gonna take uh, Duffy and Peralta and set them aside and uh, I'm gonna put them in in jail and I'm gonna say don't touch those guys <laughs> Uh, I don't I don't want any part of them. Um, you know, they both have uh, high velocity. They both have incomplete arsenals. Uh, Duffy's both basically fastball curve. Uh, Peralta has fastball and two sliders. But, you know, um, I'm not I'm not sure if the second slider gets to the curveball type depth. Um, and even if he does have two breaking balls, he doesn't have the command of the guys that make two breaking balls work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas I think Shelby Miller has decent command. I don't think Danny Duffy or Willie Peralta do. And I think that that makes all their stuff play down um, to the point where, you know, I, you know, when I, I've been talking about Alan Webster a lot, you know, kind of long-term long shot type of guy, Alan Webster's upside, I think is kind of Duffy and Peralta esque because he's, he's got velocity. He's got pitches, but he does no command. So he really, he would have to find something big time to get beyond that. So, um, yeah, yes, I think Duffy and Peralta are useful, except that, you know, I think they should cost what Alan Webster costs. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's fair. I, I, I like Peralta better than, than Duffy and better than you, but the, what you're saying makes complete sense in terms of the fact that, you know, I, I, he's, I just, he's just one of my lottery tickets that I like a little bit more. I'm not, I'm not trying to make a big distinction well, he here has, and say – He has velocity and two sliders. That's good. I just – I worry. I mean, you worry about the command too. It's not great. Uh, absolutely, and Duffy has the added risk of health. He, he's right. he's been he's been, and so that's where where I make the split with them. But I, I I'm with you. Let's put them in jail. Let's talk about these other three here: Pomeranz, Bauer, Odorizzi. Who do you like best there? Uh, you know they they've had they've had their issues with um, with with Arsenal and uh, in terms of the depth of their Arsenal and. and I mean, it's funny to say that about Bauer because no, he he has a million pitches. Um, I know that, um, but you know, in terms of what is good, uh, in terms of results at least, the uh, it's mostly uh, fastball, curve, slider. Now he throws what he calls a reverse slider. He throws a changeup, um, and I think he even throws a split. But all of those three of those pitches, the ones that go the other way, uh, the ones that have arm side run have not worked out yet in terms of results. They don't get they don't get good whiff rates, don't necessarily get good ground ball rates. But fastball slider curve and uh, Kyle Body over driveline mechanics has really improved his command. Um, and he and uh, when I was when I talked to Jake Arietta about uh, just finding something that's repeatable and not worrying too much about inverted W's or whatever, um, you know, I think that um, that uh, you know Kyle Body said, oh yeah, that's totally what we've been working on with Bowers. Just Find something that's totally repeatable and just do it over and over again. And that's 
So I, I believe in Bauer's command improvements, and so I'll put him ahead of, of Pomerantz and probably Odorizzi, but the Odorizzi has one wrinkle. Have you heard about the slutter? I, I have. And uh, first off, I love any time it's called a slutter because I'm a child. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's just funny to me. And that's, that's how I ca- characterize Arietta's because you mentioned earlier that, yeah, he throws – several different things that could be cutter, slider, classification, whatever you want. It's all that same kind of devastating breaker for him. But yes, I, I have heard of Odorizzi's thanks to Mr. Jason Collette and his new pitch tracker. And I, I, I love I love that he does that. He and Jeff have been doing work together now. You know, I see them trading messages on Twitter. Hey, did you add this one? Did you, did you catch this one? Yes, I am familiar with the slutter. Have, have you seen it in action? Because I have not yet. I don't, and and you know there have been a few more walks as he's as he's tried to uh, figure it out. So I, I know that um, you know it, it's you know that's one of the things that even um, uh, Colette found the last time he did this was that there are a lot of people who say they have a new pitch that that you know doesn't show up in the in the in the in the regular season. Um, but it, it does make me uh, you know I haven't heard the same from. You know, when I did talk to Bauer a little bit online uh, on Twitter about um, you know, the changeups not being great, he said first he said, "Well, you guys don't even know what my changeup is," you know, and I, and I was like, "Okay, well maybe we're confusing it for the you know screwball or the splitter, which are also not good." <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "Well, yeah, and yeah, I didn't really, I wasn't really comfortable with it last year, and I think you know, I think I'm getting better with it." So. You know, I guess uh, you know Bauer has the same potential to to improve a pitch as Odorizzi does, but Odorizzi has, you know, the, the two knockout pitches and is just really looking for um, a breaking ball that works. And um, I, I suppose, in a way, he's he's Gosman esque. You know, not as much velocity, but um, a real nice rising fastball that works really well in conjunction with the splitter. Uh, it's just that his slider eight percent whiffs, curve five percent whiffs, cutter eight percent whiffs. So. If you can find something in that grouping that even gets to 10, 11% whiffs, he'll have something good. Great, uh, great job there with Bauer. I mean, this guy, I keep, I keep watching uh, and and really expecting to take well, a step sorry, forward. I, I was finishing with Odorizzi. I just wanted to. Oh, okay. So, sorry, sorry about that. Um, Those whiff rates were Odorizzi. Uh, Bauer's uh, whiff rates are bad on the the, the change. Uh, screwballs, uh, reverse slider, all those, all the things that have arm side run. He's got the same issue where he doesn't have something that goes arm side that that's really great, and Odorizzi doesn't have something that goes glove side that's really great. Uh, you know, they might be okay without it. Odorizzi did a lot of good things last year without it. Pomerantz, for example, throws fastball curve. Yeah, and that, that, that's what I was going to talk about. I'm pr- I'm pretty hyped on him. Now, if he can avoid uh, having any blow-ups and any attitude issues when he when he gets his butt kicked and punching a wall or or a chair, I think it was a chair uh, that broke his hand and really kind of derailed what could have been at least a mini breakout last year. And, and I guess he had a mini mini breakout because it was 69 innings. But he could have he could have done some really nice things. Although. I'm almost I'm almost glad because it kept the innings depressed, and that way he's not a super chic sleeper this year. Uh, which usually when you're a super chic sleeper, it means you're not a sleeper at all because everyone's putting you on their lists. So um, yeah, he gave up those eight eight runs to the Texas Rangers on June 16th, punched a chair, didn't come back till late August, but then put up three more great starts. I just I, I I like his strikeout upside. This was a guy who does have the blue chip pedigree. He was the main cog traded for for Ubaldo Jimenez. Obviously, working in Colorado, no good. Um, you know, 
not good for a curveball. When you're when you're curveball dominant like that, that's not the place to be. He's in a place where I think he's going to flourish. I, I really like Drew Pomerantz this year. I don't have too much more to say. Like you said, it's fastball curveball right now. Maybe they help him develop a change, but with that nasty curve, I don't know that he necessarily needs one at least right away. He can be impactful right away. Uh, with, without one, I think we're going to see some nice things out of Pomeranz this year. You know, it's interesting just playing around with his pitches because, you know, calling him a two-pitch guy, you're just like, who's done that? Uh, but uh, against righties, he does throw a sinker and a change. It's funny, against lefties, he does not throw the sinker and he does not throw the change. So he's really forcing curve against lefties. But against righties, uh, you know, he does mix in the sinker a little bit, uh, which has some decent movement. The change, terrible movement. He threw 14 of them. He just doesn't believe in it. But I guess, it, you know, if you're willing to give a guy two pitches for his fastballs, then maybe he's, you know, four-seam sinker curve, uh, really. I, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing what happens with him because it is the right park. The two pitches he's got are really good. Um, it's just there haven't been a lot of guys who have, who've done it like that. All right, now now we're we're coming up pretty late here, so we're gonna have to rapid fire on these last couple groups. I'm only gonna give you one guy to talk about. These are the low K useful guys. They, they, their strikeouts are never gonna be there, so it's really gonna hurt them. Maybe in like a daily fantasy situation, and even in season long, you know, you you can sometimes be a little bit allergic to guys who don't have strikeouts. But if you're too allergic to to that, yeah, you're gonna miss out on some useful guys. Rick Porcello, Henderson Alvarez, Kendall Graveman, Vance Worley. Pick one, go. I drafted Craig Krimbrell, uh and and paired him with Henderson Alvarez uh, in town. I like that, and I feel like uh, that's that's a, a good idea for people out there because Henderson Alvarez is super cheap in most leagues, and uh, the changeup actually has decent movement and um, looks a lot like uh, Felix Hernandez's changeup, and uh, and really gives him like three sort of power. It's a power change. Um, and if you ever started throwing that secondary stuff a little bit more, I mean, the, the, the shapes on them are good and the outcomes are decent. 10% whiffs on the slider, 12% whiffs on the change. He could really, uh, you know, even just getting the K per nine up into six territory would make him, um, an even better pitcher. Plus he's in the NL in a nice park. Uh, I like Henderson Alvarez. I don't love, love him, but I, I like him, especially paired with a Chapman or Kimbrell. Exactly. I'm changing my tune a little bit on him. I, I used to be pretty anti, but if you build the rotation properly, it's kind of like the pitching version of people taking Ben Revere and Chris Carter, smashing them together and getting two Ian Desmonds. I think Ron Chandler popularized that uh, and, and wrote about it. It's kind of it's kind of the pitching version of that. For me, I like uh, I'm actually buying Vance Worley's uh, progression last year a little bit as a command and control ground ball guy with Pittsburgh. Doesn't mean I necessarily believe a 2.85 ERA, but give me a 3.4 ERA with a 1.2 something whip and and I'll take that. I, again, that can be useful and again, if you are doing the the invest early in closers, I Cody Allen's a guy you mentioned earlier. I love him this year. Mark Melanson's another. So even if you don't get in on the front, front, front line with the with the Holland, Kimbrell, Chapman guys, and you wait a second and get like an Allen Melanson combo, then you can take a Worley Alvarez or Purcello or, or Kendall Graveman later and and offset the fact that they don't get those strikeouts and and reap the benefits of their ratios. So Worley's a guy I'm kind of buying into. Next here's, group. Here's one oh. last thing I want to just add on that one. Uh, Worley. Uh, Matt Swartz, I think it was, or Eric, I think it was Matt Swartz, found that called strikes are about as sticky year to year as as swinging strikes. It's something I've never come to grips with in my own uh, philosophy. It's something that 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 stymies me every year. I'd much rather have swinging strikes than called strikes. 
but I do think that called strikes are probably a good proxy for for command. Um, so it's probably a, a sort of missing a missing link uh, to some of the analysis that we do. Um, and and Whirly is is the Whirly bird is definitely uh, a called strikes genius. Uh, at least he was when he was good. Yes. Uh, and and I always thought, oh well, look at Whirly's career. But there are other guys that get called strikes. Jose Quintana is another one. Uh, Chris Tillman's one. So. Uh, Vance really has a shot. Kendall Graveman could do something very similar. He's in the right park. I think he's that got that. That ball rate is so hot. And I think he's got the, 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 the role locked down. I just hesitate. You know, the, 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 the margin for error is so thin when you know the guy has like sort of five to six K, uh, K9 upside. You know, in terms of fantasy value, the, the margin is so thin that they really have to be Henderson Alvarez before you really want them. So You're right. You're right. uh, you can take a shot at Kendall Graveman, but I'd do it in deeper leagues, in, in, in sort of mixed leagues. He's, he's going to hurt you in, in strikeouts. It's, it, you know, when you're put, it, it's not so much that they anything I, 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 that they're doing wrong with guys like that. It's that you're putting in so much contact that you're adding your luck factor or, or you're adding to the potential bad luck that you can incur. Your, your variance is, is being added is, is a better way to say it. And, and that's the kind of problem with these guys. It's not even so much that when they have a bad start, it's not necessarily always on them. You can go back and watch the game, you know, the condensed game on MLB and you see these six bleeders that went through. And then the one mistake that they did make was a three run homer when on a normal day it might have been a solo shot. So keep that in mind. That's why, you know, you can't just always box score scout. You got to watch the games. It's a, you know, it's a refrain that, that gets beaten into the ground, but it's the truth. And by the way, you mentioned Vance Worley, the called strike master, 38.7% last year. That's tops in the majors among guys with 100 innings. Beating- so you got it back. Yeah, be- beating beating uh, clowns that you may be familiar with, known as uh, oh, I don't know. Are you familiar with some Joker? Actually, I'm so I'm so sorry. I completely lied. He was seventh in the league. I had the wrong category clicked there. But he does beat some clowns you may be familiar with, known as Corey Kluber, who was only at 38.4 percent to Klu- uh, to Worley's 38.7 percent. This new Joker, Felix Hernandez, Hernandez, or some I don't know, somebody from Seattle. Never heard of him. 37 percent. Jordan Zammer. For, from Washington. Uh, <laughs> oh, thir- Zimmerman, of course. You know, so I, 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 these nobodies that he's beating, I don't know if we should put a lot of stock into it. But no, the fact is, like you said, with the called strikes. Now, I want to ask you something. You, you say you prefer swinging strikes, and I do too because it's, it's sexy, but shouldn't logic say that called strikes are better because nothing bad can happen because they didn't even swing, at least on, on a swinging strike, they could still make contact and get lucky on a called strike. It's- Nothing bad can happen, right? It's just that you're also including the umpire and the catcher. True. That's that's and that's I, completely I, I fair. I feel like I think I feel like the swing strike is just the embodiment of the one on one. It's yeah, it's the one on one. There's nothing happening except for the pitcher throwing the ball and the hitter trying to hit it, and he can't. No, I'm, and, I'm with you. I have the same bias. I was just trying to check us and say, you know, on some level we should still appreciate the called strike because, like, like if they're getting it done. Oh, yeah, no, no, and it is good. That's why I say it. I think it's maybe a missing link or a blind spot or I talk about it a little bit. But, yeah, think about Vance Worley. He left a catcher and went to Minnesota, and I don't think that his new catcher had good framing. And then he went to uh, to Pittsburgh, and he had a good framing catcher, and he, he found it all back again. But and now that catcher has departed. That's Russell Martin. How does but Francisco— But is supposedly a good framer. So... Okay, good. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, Cervelli's— I mean, that's why they went and got him, I think. So it's a— I, uh, you know, that's why 
I, that's why I, I wonder. I mean, like Graveman, you know, does he have a good framer? Vote wasn't by the metrics, but, you know, maybe he's improving. I mean, that's why they gave him the job. Norris was never a good framer. Anyway, um, it's, it's, that's why I think I prefer the swing strike race. I don't have to ask about the catcher. I don't have to figure out about the umpire and that sort of stuff. That, no, that, that, and that's a good call. That's absolutely it. Okay, now we're going to go down to some boring veterans. And these are different from our quality veterans. Not that they lack quality, but that they don't. I don't think that they carry the upside to have kind of a special year. I, I think we could all still see Liriano, Kane, Lackey, Santana, and Weaver having that special year. It, it wouldn't take too many leaps, even if we're not betting on it. But these guys, I don't know if they're going to have that special year. What I mean by that is, is obviously great ratios, uh, high strikeout rate, big, you know, just that big season. Maybe it could happen for one of these guys, but uh, I just don't see it. And that's Kyle Loesch, R.A. Dickey, A.J. Burnett, Mike Leake, and Wei-Yin Chen. You're probably going to get 180 to 200 solid innings, but the chances of them really dropping a low three or sub three ERAs, it's a good bit lower than our first group of crusty vets. But tell me who you like best out of this group. I know that they're going to be deployed in that same way you're talking about where you just need innings in a deeper league, but who are you choosing if, if these five are presented to you? I, uh, I think you're right. I think we've seen the best from each of them. I mean, Chen... Uh, had a, a 1.7 walk rate last year, and if he doesn't repeat that, his strikeout rate isn't going to support a mid-3 ZRA. Um, so even if he is 29 and, and the youngest in the group, probably, um, I don't think that uh, uh, he's definitely uh, all systems go. You know, I think Los really uh, loves his catcher. Um, he's had now four straight years of basically a two, uh, two walks per nine. And I think that's uh, a lot of Lucroy in there. Um, he's got the really nice Vulcan change, which is just just going to stick with him forever, um, and uh, and a decent slider and, and and good command. So I think that uh, I think I would take him. I mean, it's just you know everyone bets him out every year. He's got a four uh, a four ERA projection almost every year, and uh, the worst ERA of his last four years is a three five, and the second worst is a three three. So damn you screw it. for taking take- my guys. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, uh, you, well, you, you, no. you don't ever get bummed about getting snaked on Loesch, especially when we're just <laughs> fake picking guys. But those whips the last four years, 117, 109, 117, 115, that's good. And I'm looking at the called strike leaderboard again, and I, I'm, I'm going to qualified starters only, so 162-plus innings. And he's 13th at 36%, well above the 33% average there. So you mentioned that he loves his, his catcher, Jonathan Lucroy. It's with good reason. I think Loesch is the guy there. But just for the sake of, of, of discussing an, another person, I, I will talk about uh, R.A. Dickey. And i got to mention him for a specific format, head-to-head format, head-to-head points, because I'm in one of these. Dickey really needs to be pushed up your board substantially. Where innings are are the are, are the currency, I mean, you've got to push him up maybe three tiers. That because you're, you're I know you're getting caught. And I'm talking to all of you out there in these leagues. I know they're not super common. I don't. I, I bash head-to-head leagues, but I'm in. I'm in two of them, including one that I started a 20-teamer with the uh, Towers of Pod, Power podcast listeners, and I, I drafted Dickey. Because I was looking and he kept lasting. I was like, wait a minute. I need to get this guy because he's going to give me 200 innings. And I don't think they're going to be horrible. And even when he had the 421 ERA in 2013, and uh, it's going to depend on your scoring system, but most of them just reward volume. 
and he gets that volume. So R.A. Dickey, he might only have one specific use, that kind of league where where innings are, are the major currency. But even in those leagues, I don't think he's properly valued. So um, that, that's just a little shout out to Dickey, former former Cy Young winner. I love saying that because Dickey's yeah. just, he's a great guy. And uh, I, I, I'm pulling for him. I just don't think we'll see him get back to that form. But I think a repeat of last year is very, very much likely. 200 plus innings of a 371 ERA. There'll be days he's dazzling. There'll be days he'll kill you, which is why I'll almost never. In fact, no, I, I won't even qualify. I won't say almost. I'll never use him in daily fantasy. <laughs> never. Because the homers. Yeah. You know, the, it's just the, too uh, much. I got in trouble with him because I told uh, I got I did an interview with him. He claimed he thought we were talking off the record to my recorder in his face. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think it was just because he got some blowback. Uh, he said, I look to my left and I look to my right and I see far younger people on the DL for false, far uh, smaller issues than I've got. And um, I think what he was saying, though, and I, if you read the rest of the piece, you saw it. He was saying that, like, I'm a knuckler. I throw 70 percent effort. I can go out there with a back injury and throw because I'm not trying to get every little piece in every little place. I'm just getting it up there and pushing it over the plate. Exactly. And uh so I think that's why he, you know, he does have all those innings is because he can get out there and play, you know, an oblique strain. I think he could probably pitch through an oblique strain, uh, which to a, a, you know, a 95 mile an hour power pitcher would be, you know, at least two weeks off, maybe a month. Yeah, I was just, yeah, it, 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 minimum two weeks. No, that, that that that's a great call, and yeah, it sounds like he's throwing shade at the beginning of it, but the the point that he's trying to make is saying that he's got more leeway there, and that's why you're going to get those innings, and that's why you know he's you know the the the, the next Tim Wakefield, and um again use him in those formats. I, I was psyched to get him where I got him in that one league, um but we got to keep going. We got two more groups here, and we're gonna get to both of them even if as we push an hour and a half. This is gonna be a mega pod so, for you. This is a mega podcast this is what you guys i was thinking earlier i was going to say something this is what you know you guys don't pay us uh you pay us with your clicks play us with your ratings this is this is what you would pay us for exactly so we know that all the drafts are coming up this is this is our this is our wheelhouse and these are the guys you want to hear us talk about so you know it's going to be a little bit long but uh we're going to finish especially because these next two groups are the guys you really want to hear about yes and and we have we have a lot of our loves in here guys that we absolutely love it's another group of the uh, upside but unproven and you know again they're probably not too different from the first two groups but i got i ran out of characterizations for these groupings here but uh (laughs) and i like i said i couldn't do 15 player groups it'd be it'd be too weird so so here we go. Why don't we just call this like last last mixed league pitcher or or you know bench 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 mixed league pitcher because I think that puts them in the right uh, in the right place. That's perfect. That, that that's absolutely perfect here. And and uh, it's a v- very intriguing group. You're going to see them popping up a lot, getting talked about. And it's guys that you know and I like: Nadia Valdi, T.J. House, Shane Green, Jesse Hahn, and Carlos Martinez from St. Louis. Start with your first guy because I'm sure we're going to talk about. Probably all five, but at least three or four of them in this grouping. So go ahead with your first one, whoever you want to discuss. All right, so this is a big deal because uh, when I ranked House the first time, it was when uh, Gavin Floyd took his job. Exactly. Uh, So now I think we can put House into 160, 170 innings. I mean, I haven't even heard uh, a prognosis for for Gavin Floyd, but it's the same same injury. Yeah, he's more or less done. They're yeah. operating as if he's not going to pitch this year. Out of the words or out of the mouth of Terry Francona, from what I'd yeah. heard, he, that's how he's treating it. So, but give House a full year, and I think he can really do what he did last year. He's a command control lefty with three three legit pitches. He has everything he needs. There's no 
Uh, there's not necessarily much more upside, but he was so good last year that even if he repeats at 80, 90 percent of what he did last year, uh, he's going to be a really good pitcher. And we're asking these other guys to do more and get better in ways that we don't have to ask TJ House to get better. So for me, TJ House, best of the group. That, that, that's that's a that's a great call there. He is what he is that, Like you said, he might not jump up a couple more levels. But he's probably not going to fall down, whereas the other four could all legitimately collapse. Uh, uh, you know, Nady Evaldi with the home run issue and the fact that he can't really – he doesn't have anything to tame lefties yet. Going to a park that could exacerbate that issue specifically against lefties, that could be problematic. I still love the guy, but there's an easy path to him melting down this year. I mean he melted down last year in, in the easier league in a better park. So – you know, we, we don't have to get crazy here to suggest that it could not it, it could not work out for him this year. Uh, Shane Green, somebody I want to talk about. Really like what I see out of this guy. Just the stuff. I'm I'm wondering, you know, how much of this was developed recently because this doesn't seem. When I watch him pitch, I'm wondering how's this guy go under the radar. Meaning, I, I feel like there had to be some some level of development uh, in this last year or so because a guy like that doesn't usually sneak under the radar. And I know some folks are freaking out about getting some Twitter messages. Oh, he's got a 5.19 ERA in spring. I don't care. First off, because um, and I haven't I haven't been able to see him throw. I've only seen my Tigers a couple times in spring training, including this afternoon. Watch David Price throw very well against the Orioles. But uh, the fact for me, the reason I'm not worried for for two reasons. Uh, well. The, the main reason is spring training, but uh, t- two reasons within the stat line if you really want to get uh, into it. Still has eight strikeouts and eight and two-thirds and has a one one five whip. So it's not like he's given up a million hits. Oh, uh, well, he's been giving up the hits, but he's not giving up a million base runners because he hasn't walked anybody and he's still missing bats. And I think he could be working on his change-ups, which could be the cause because he's in the new pitch alert as well, um, just listed as more change-ups. And, and it links to an article where Green talks about trying out some change-up grips and, and wanting to be more effective with the change-up. But this guy has swing and miss stuff, even though he doesn't have the pedigree and he is 26 years old. Again, the Tigers also have a, a history, a very recent strong history. Doug Fister, Annabelle Sanchez, um, hitters as well when, when, when they get them. But Dave Dombrowski acquisitions seem to get a level better, especially the major league acquisitions that he gets usually take a level up. And, and really extract that next level of talent out of them, I feel like it's their player development guys that they see something in these guys, they go out and get them, and then they get that next level out of them. I can't say I'm hoping or I'm expecting the same thing from Alfredo Simon, but Shane Green I do think will be one of those guys who, wow, he takes that next level jump with the big Tigers. Age, big age difference. And I think the age difference is really important there because um, you know I was talking to Kylie McDaniel about uh, Shane Green, and he said – You know, they basically had to set everything up for a scout to even look at Shane Green because everybody had just said, oh, Shane Green, 91, slider, got no other pitch, uh, no reason to look at him. He had surgery. They're like, he had surgery. Uh, So he was was 91 miles an hour post-surgery, pre-surgery. So people said, ah, you know, he probably won't even get to 91 again. He just had a slider, didn't have anything else. They actually set up a throw day. They set up a throw day next door to a scout's house. <laughs> they, they said, are you going to be home tomorrow? Yes? Okay. <laughs> they drove to his house and threw outside his house. And the guy came outside. And he's like, what? You're throwing 95, 96? That's what is awesome. this? Uh, and that was, a, I think it was a Yankee scout. And that's how they ended up with him. So this is a guy who hasn't been throwing like this his whole life. So I think that we are seeing someone 
you know, just you know, no matter what his age by years is, we're seeing someone who hasn't been a, a guy with this velocity for a long time, and he's still trying to figure stuff out. And that said, uh, I like the shape of his change. It has more uh, drop than average. It has more fade than average. It has more uh, drop than his two-seamer. It has more fade than his two-seamer. It has uh, six, seven miles an hour difference. It's, it could be a little bit – it's a little bit hard, but it has a, enough movement to make it work at that, at that hardness. And I, and I, and I used to th- say I think the slider and cutter weren't different enough as pitches, but you know there's, a, there's at least like a three- or four-inch difference in terms of horizontal movement between the slider and cutter and just watching him. Those are two different pitches. They're very different pitches. They really are. So, you know, he, I'm not sure – you know, in the past, uh, against lefties, he used the cutter more than the slider. That makes sense. It's kind of uh, what people do. But uh, I don't know uh, that that would be enough by itself. But it's the shape of the change that makes me excited for him. Um, and I put him second to house uh, in this grouping. And I think you agree? Yes, I absolutely do. So uh, who's your third guy? So for me, it, I think it would be Han. And even as much as I love Eovaldi, I, I, I just I do worry that the lefties could hit those homers, particularly at home, but also around the division in those friendly parks that could really set him on, on the wrong path. Whereas Han is going from one great pitcher's park to another. Now he is still pretty young. We haven't seen it for very long, but that curveball, I, I really like it from him. He does, you know, he has the prospect pedigree, not not as an elite guy, but he was a prospect coming up all the way. The changeup, now I'll be interested to hear from you what you think of, of it regarding its shape because the results were there in a tiny sample, mind you, but, but batters went one for 22 against it with a handful of strikeouts. So he got some good results on it, and he was throwing it a little bit more um, as he kind of got his feet under him as a major leaguer in those 14 starts but i'm not going to go off of the 132 ops against it last year and say hey his changeup's great because i'm not i'm not an idiot but um i i know that it needs work but i feel like he's with the right club to help it get better and then if he's got the three pitch mix the, the legitimate three pitches i think han again can have a good season that's why i don't write off oakland even with all their massive overhaul because they've they've three of their brand newish pitchers uh, han and graveman are both brand new and then pomeranz is newish cuz they didn't have they've only had him for a little bit last year but those three could really make some waves for them to go with gray and casmir and then all of a sudden their pitching's leading the charge, whereas their hitting was leading the charge last year. So I really like Han. I, I, I'm expecting some some quality strikeout stuff, even if the ratios aren't always there with him. Yeah, the slider he can turf it. Uh, he said that after Tommy John, he 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 doesn't like to throw it as much. Um, and uh, it was that Tommy John that kept his innings down, and 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 may he may not be able to get all the way to 180 this year, but he did he did manage about 160 last year. So I think he's he's pretty close to a full slate as long as his health allows. He's still in that sort of Tommy John um, honeymoon p- uh, period, and I the shape of his change is good. It's got uh, a, about two inches more drop than than average, maybe an inch and a half. Um, it has more fade than average. It doesn't have as much fade as a sinker, uh, so it's a little bit straighter than a sinker, and that's not ideal, I think, in terms of if you think of yourself as a batter expecting a sinker and the change is a little bit closer to your body than the, than the sinker was. Um, but it still has a seven mile an hour gap. So in two out of three ways, it's average or above. Um, and those are important ways. And then, you know, we've already seen someone without the change in Pomerantz have a good stretch. So, uh, but I like the shape of, of Hans change way better. I mean, Pomerantz change looks terrible in terms of movement. It is nutty bad. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it looks like, uh, it looks like a flat sinker. Uh, it really does. So, 
Um, Pomerantz's change has an eight uh, number on the vertical, um, and Hans is 2.9. So there's six inches of drop Oof. difference between Hans' uh, change and uh, Pomerantz's change. So I think that's that's sort of important. Okay, um, I, I, I got to get you to talk about Carlos Martinez then because um, I, I, I've seen what, when it can be good. You know, mostly out of the bullpen, of course, because he, he's uh, he's got, what, 78 appearances, only eight of them are starts. So it's mostly out of the bullpen. But even in the bullpen, he's had struggles. I, I'd, I'd feel better, honestly, if he had dominated in the bullpen and then was struggling a little bit transitioning to starter. But he's had struggles even in the bullpen. So I worry a little bit about Carlos Martinez. What is your outlook for him? Obviously, he's still super young, so I'm not even close to giving up on him, not even in, in the in the zip code of, of saying that I'm going to give up on him. I'm, I'm going to give him at least three more years uh, of, of continuing to look at him. But for the short term here, for this year – it's looking like he has a, a, a chance to do, get some innings at least. Can he be anything as a starter uh, for us on fa- in the fantasy realm? I'm a little bit worried about him, and I might put him behind Eovaldi because Eovaldi at least has the split finger, exactly, um, which might change everything. You know, Carlos Martinez's change has bad shape um, and bad velocity gap. I mean, it it it's uh, three. It has three inches less drop than a sinker. So. If you're expecting sinker, because he throws, uh, you know, four seam and sinker. If you're expecting sinker, and uh, the thing comes in three inches higher, that's just weird. I mean, uh, that's just a weird changeup. <laughs> Most people, the changeup drops further, and it doesn't go as far out, so it'd be it'd be closer in too. So, and then it's it, the the nice thing about it though, is that it's 89, you know, it, you know, that is still actually almost nine miles an hour difference from his four seam. So. If, I think if he paired his four seam and his change and his sinker and his and his cutter or his sinker and his slider, um, and he did these sort of these different pairings depending on the handedness of the batter, um, I think everything looks a little bit better because the change has more uh, horizontal uh, movement than his four seam and more drop than his four seam. So if he sort of had these like two pairings, um, I think he could do something with it. But to date, his platoon splits have been terrible and. Um, you know, because of his uh, repertoire, I, I doubt that you would project him into much better platoon splits going forward. Um, so it's difficult. And I think that's why Jaime Garcia is supposedly still in the mix. Oh, absolutely. And and the, and the reason I said that Martinez still has a chance in innings, though, is because Garcia, you, you, you want to talk about yeah. not being able to bet on, on Francisco Liriano for innings. Jaime Garcia, <laughs> you know, and it's a bummer because – He's done some some good things when he pitches. Garcia has, but he cannot stay healthy. So you cannot bank on him. Honestly, if you're banking on him for more than even a hundred innings, I think you're 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 really asking a lot right now. So if he starts the season in the rotation for Garcia, I'd say you know what, I'll try to get a hundred quality innings here, and then I'll have to go out and 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 piece it together, and I'll be fine with that because he's out there pitching well in spring training, and he's probably going to get that spot. But then Martinez would would get the shot. Probably pretty quickly, unless Marcos Gonzalez, Marco Gonzalez was kicking butt down in the major, uh, minors when um, Garcia got hurt. Then he could be, then Martinez could be leapfrogged. So, you know, I guess he's not even guaranteed innings uh, for Martinez. 
But I do think that there will be openings as the season kind of goes on because, uh, you know, even somebody like a Wainwright, people have injury concerns about. You already talked about Lackey, too. So there's probably going to be some spots there where you can get some innings. But he needs to be better to, for them to trust him because the Cardinals are going to be contending again. They can't just be putting Martinez in there for major league starts to, to, to develop him. Um, when, when If they give games away to Milwaukee and, and Pittsburgh and the Cubs and the Reds, they, they can't afford to do that. So he needs to show them that he's ready for that prime time or else he's either going to be stuck in the pen or in Memphis. You know, some people are going to be rolling their eyes at the idea that Seymour um, would rank anywhere below Han in terms of, um, you know, just pure stuff and, and electricity and 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 just be, uh, you know, they would bet on, on, on Martinez's arm every day over Han's. But there's all sorts of stuff around that park and and opportunity and what's you know who's going to get more innings and and you know and and arsenal and depth of arsenal so i think uh, i feel pretty confident with the way we've ranked them so uh let's finish up with the, the late round gambles. last group these are our late round gambles these are pretty deep you gotta be pretty deep league or you're just really take or even in a short league uh a more shallow league where you're just taking that flyer you're passing what you know to be better guys right now for the chance at hitting that lottery ticket. And that's Aaron Sanchez, Chase Anderson, Anthony Descofani, uh, Carlos Rodon, and I almost said Jose Iglesias, but that's a shortstop. Rizel Iglesias for the Cincinnati Reds. So just a group of, you know, who even knows? But it's a mixed bag here. I know you like a couple of them, so let's just start talking. Who's tops? I think it's Chase Anderson because he's shown it's again, it's kind of the house situation and, and it might be a floor ceiling type thing where maybe some of these other guys have, have better uh, ceilings, but and Anderson's floor is high, but you know, I think Anderson's ceiling is decently high because he has a, a change up that he can pronate extra pronate on to get to, to get even further distance. So it's almost a little bit like Gaussman where he has the two change ups. So Two change-ups, a curveball that's really good by results and by shape, and then fastballs that are above average by velocity and good command. So I don't really – you know, last year he didn't really have a sinker, and then this year he tells me in spring he's working on a sinker. So it's like now he's going to have four-seam sinker, curve, and then two changes. I think it's everything he needs. He's in the National League. I know it's not the greatest park, but change-ups are good for ground balls. I don't think he's going to be a big homer guy. I know he was in his first stint, but I don't think he will be as he figures out the league. So I think uh, he's much more fully formed, and uh, and he leads the pack here. That, that's completely fair. I, I can't I can't disagree with that. For the and I was going to say the same for the exact reason. We got 114 innings, uh, a lot of them quality. I know he ended up with a 401 ERA, but when you watch particular starts, I think he had a couple real duds in there too that inflate the ERA, which is why if you are going to just go by the numbers, you you still have to investigate and kind of see what's going on. He had three starts of five plus earned runs. Now we can't just wash those off and say they don't count, but one was in Colorado and one was uh, at Washington. And you wouldn't have used them for either of those anyway. So you kind of almost can cherry pick those out a little bit because if if you are streaming him, which is kind of the use that we're saying he has, then bench use, yeah, bench use where you just use them in their best situation. Exactly. So then you then you can kind of start cherry picking because you would have never considered him in Colorado. Now, granted, you would have lost a six inning one run game that he did throw in Colorado the the other time he was there, but that's a risk you're willing to take. Uh, I'm with you on Anderson. My number two in this group. Uh, I, I'm, I, 
you could make the case for Descalfani for for a similar reason of of a higher floor, but I'm going to go with the higher ceiling of a Carlos Rodon because I think he could really come out and hit the ground running here. I, I like to preach caution on the on the on the shiny new toy, the hottest young thing. Um, I fell for Matt Moore and it and it burned the hell out of me. And that's not why I now shade toward being cautious. I was cautious before him, and then I I took a chance with Matt Moore, and it didn't work. But that doesn't mean I won't take chances every once in a while. And Rodon's a guy I think I can take a chance with here because that slider is so freaking good. Um, His fastball is very good too, but that slider is devastating. I think the strikeouts will be there. So even if he was putting up uh, season numbers similar to what his spring has been, which is a 3.65 ERA and a 1.30 WHIP, the strikeouts are going to be so good uh, in my estimation not quite 14 per nine the way he's done in spring training but a batter you know a strikeout per inning kind of guy that you can afford to to kind of take on maybe lesser ratios plus if he's a guy that you're you're spotting in the right starts then if a high-powered tigers offense is coming into chicago you pass on him there or if he's going into the into new york against the yankees and they're clicking and maybe he's having trouble with lefties and you back off or something, you know, things like that. So if you're spotting these guys and you're trying to maximize them, I think Rodon can be somebody who um, can really ma- be maximized there and also play himself into an all formats, all, all, all starts kind of play. Uh, so I'm going to put him number two. Yeah, I think for what it's worth, some of the command issues that are now showing up in his projections are a little bit more from the fact that they had him working on his change a lot. And it's not surprising to me that uh, he may not be able to control the change that much. And he may be better off in the majors, you know, so far in what, what he's got in the pitch FX database. Um, he's uh, he's throwing about 6%. That might be enough for him, honestly, because if he can't command it, it, it needs to be more just a, just like a show me thing to keep people um, from smacking his, from, from sort of cheating on his slider a little bit. So I, I think, um, you know, in terms of movement, it's not great, but it is uh, – 13 miles an hour slower than his, than his fastball. So, you know, it is a pitch that's, uh, that's, that's got something going for it. And um, maybe it, it, it's something that takes a little bit of time. Uh, but the slider, you know, I'm, I'm kind of into it. I'm into it. I'm definitely into it way more than Aaron Sanchez, who supposedly had this kind of same stuff and maybe some of the same command problems. But I believe that Aaron Sanchez's command problems are more endemic. And the stuff, the, the results that we got out of Aaron Sanchez weren't that great, at least on the per pitch level. It's just you didn't really get the whiffs that we might expect from the arsenal he had. Exactly. No, I, I'm with you there. And that, I, I put him in this group, and I, I think a lot of people might balk at that, thinking that they would take him much earlier. I, I think he's going a little overpriced, uh, Sanchez, and I, I like him a lot. I, I never thought he was going to close. I had Cecil in that role from from the jump because I, I don't think they want to get caught up putting Sanchez in a closer's role and then maybe struggling to take him out of it like a Chapman or, or having it really blow up in their face like a Neftali Feliz. So I always thought he was going to be a starter, but you know he hit the ground running in the majors last year out of the bullpen. You go look at those walk numbers from his minor leagues, and they're pretty ugly. So I think I think we're going to see some real big-time uh, guardrail to guardrail ups and downs with Sanchez for sure. Now the one I really want to talk about, and I'll let you talk about Descalfani because uh, you, you can get a few more words in about him even though we've we've definitely <laughs> made clear your like for him and I've, I've jumped on that bandwagon anytime anytime I talk about Descalfani I make sure to give you the credit and say that this is not a guy that I'm I, I, I've pumped 
I'm I'm riding the coattails of Eno. So I'll give you a second to talk about him. But I want to know what you think about Iglesias because this is a big surprise that he even made the rotation. He was a big Cuban signing for them. But it was looking like even if he was going to break camp, we were thinking, okay, as a reliever. Um, but now in the in the rotation, could we see something special here? And have you gotten a chance to see him? I saw him relieve in the AFL, and I was – perfectly impressed with it as, as being fine nothing over the top but um again i didn't see him being somebody that i you know like stroman just took my breath away in afl um when i when i saw him throw iglesias i was like well okay but uh you know can he even start is he even gonna start do i need to get hyped on him and i, I didn't even get too crazy on him in the starting pitching guy because i didn't think he was gonna i didn't think he was gonna start so have you seen him? And if you haven't, what have you read that makes you feel one way or the other about it? Rysel Iglesias. I have not seen him. And it, since you saw him in the AFL, you probably saw him for his only uh, American work. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, so there's not a lot of data out there for him. The projections are running off of uh, Cuban stats and, and, and a little bit of AFL. The nice thing is uh, in the, he did well in the AFL. Um, and the, I, I, I should add, so, sorry to interrupt you. I should add, I didn't see him live. I had to see video uh, uh, of it because I, the, the one time that he, he pitched when I was there, uh, or, or in Arizona, I missed it. So I, I had to, I had to see video. I should, I should clarify that it wasn't live. Not, not that it matters, but anyone that would be like, well, what did you see when you, when you're there or, or, or bullshit, I call bullshit. You weren't there. I, it was on video. I just want to make that clear. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, just at combining what Kylie has written about him with the little pitch FX data we have, um, I think, you know, fastball is decent. It looks like it has uh, average or slightly above average uh, velocity for a fastball. The problem with the numbers that we have in pitch FX is they were in smaller stints. And Kylie himself says that um, he's hit 97, but he's sat 91 to 95. And there's been a little bit of inconsistency in that velocity. So I would give him average fastball velocity and a good slider. Uh, the changeup uh, change and the curve, uh, Kylie gives him 50 future, future ratings. Um, you know, in terms of what I see, the changeup has a good gap, 11-mile-an-hour gap, um, and a decent horizontal movement, but it's flat. Um, and uh, if he's going to throw the two-seam a lot, it's going to look – it's going to rise compared to his two-seamer. It's going to be above his two-seamer. So that's going to be a little bit weird. The slider looks decent. Um, the curve looks pretty good. Uh, I think he's a total wild card. I think he's just a total shot in the dark. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for me, Discofani has just enough going on. A lot more uh, in terms of movement. We know what his, his stuff looks like. Um, and we know that uh, – you know, there's stuff and stuff that we don't know about Discofani because he – I did an interview with him that should uh, drop on Monday, I think. Um, nice. And he said, you know, that he worked on um, his changeup in uh, – he says he doesn't pronate his changeup, which is interesting. But uh, he said he, uh, he worked on his changeup some more in the AFL, and he thinks he, he got it better. But even without that, the changeup has two inches more drop than average and like five inches more uh, uh, horizontal movement than average. Uh, so it's a really bendy changeup. He has a really nice changeup. And it, uh, he doesn't throw it often, but I think he's going to start to believe in it uh, and start to throw it more often. Uh, seven, eight miles an hour gap, so just about an average gap. It's a really nice changeup. Uh, he has above average velocity, and he has above average command. So I, I don't, 
you know, when I look at the projection system for Iglesias, I say, I don't know how you came up with that number because you have such little information. Um, and when I look at the projection system for Discafani, I say, I don't know why you're projecting him into 1.27 homers per nine um, when he never really had a homer problem in the minors. And he didn't and really last year either. He didn't even really last year. So uh, I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, it's not certainly not from velocity. It's I don't maybe they're saying he's a fastball slider guy and doesn't throw the change enough. But I know that Seymour doesn't include um, Arsenal yet uh, on that level. So uh, I don't really know where those home run rates are coming from. And uh, I'll take the under on all of those home run rates. And if you take uh, even just a quarter of a home run away per nine innings, I'm sure you're going to get that ERA under under three, under four, Un- under four easily. Yeah, and then get you start getting into some usefulness once you start hitting that mid threes and, and lower area. Yeah, when I when I first read closing uh, closing on Iglesias, when I first read the scouting report, I was like, this doesn't add up to a starter. What am I looking at here? And obviously, it's been better since uh, you know we got to see him pitch a little bit. But uh, like you said, Descofani is the guy. Now, he got killed last year when he pitched, 33 innings, 6-2-7 ERA. So that puts him way off the radar. Eno has been the one bringing him back on the radar there. But your league mates, there's a good chance if they're not, if they're not following uh, everything that Eno's been saying, then they're not even, they're, they might give you a, 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 a who when, when you pick him, and that's, that's good. So you can wait on Descofani, I think, and, and potentially get yourself a nice gem. I think the strikeout rate could jump up too. I think he's got more swing and miss capability um, than than what was it twenty percent that we saw last year, or eighteen percent. So I think he can jump up into the low twenties, and then all of a sudden we're looking we're looking a lot better. That six two seven ERA was paired with a three seven seven FIP. I'm with you. I don't know where the heck these uh, these projections are coming from. I, I don't think they're 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 too sharp. I think this is a guy that you that you definitely want to take a look at late when you can get him. And I think Descofani, if I had to pick between the two, like you said, huge wild card for, for Iglesias. I already have one share of him in a 50-round draft and hold. But Descofani is a guy I'm getting multiple shares of because I think he can really be something useful. I think, yeah, to me, Descofani and Anderson, uh, you could almost put them up in that next group. Um, you know, and I, and I might pick some of them over some of the, the, the top group. I mean, if you if I finished any draft of any size with House, Green, Han, Descafani, Anderson, I, I would almost just need one or two good pitchers at the top of that staff. I was going to say, yeah, really if, if you have Scherzer fronting a rotation with the rest of those guys, uh, Scherzer and then like, I don't know, Hutchison, of course, because we, we both love him. You know, if, if you had those two fronting it and then the, the other five backing it up. I'd be pretty dang happy with that. I'm, I'm with you. And I almost put Anderson um, in over over Seamart, but then I figured, you know what, these groupings, they're, they're, they're not... No, they're good groupings, but, you know, and for what it's worth, we, you know, we're not supposed to talk about spring training stats, but strikeout rate uh, actually starts to become meaningful around 50 innings, and they've, they've pitched 20 innings. So, um, you know, basically, Discofani's had the equivalent of three or four starts um, in, in spring training, full starts. And he's got 17 strikeouts in 19 innings. Well, there you go. So the eight walks aren't aren't great, but I think you know that could qualify a little bit as working on stuff, um, and they're not bad. So uh, I, I think that uh, I think that we're going to see some good stuff out of him this year. Perfect. And then I, I will give you a second if you want. I don't know if you have anyone in mind, but if there's anyone I didn't list that you want to get some words in about, now is your chance. Otherwise, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Well, I'm out on uh, I'm out on Rubby De La Rosa, and um, 
you know, Alan Webster hasn't had the best results uh, in this spring, uh, and they haven't given him a ton of innings. So I'm a little bit worried about that. But I think he's a, a really good, real deep league sleeper. You know, the guy that I was talking about last year in Arizona, though, was Randall Delgado. Yes. Um, and he's throwing uh, – he's kept some of his velocity gains, uh, I'm surprised to, to report. He was sort of 88-91, then he went to the bullpen, and then he was 93-94, and he looked like Carlos Carrasco. And in terms of the, the per-pitch numbers, he was Carlos Carrasco. Really great uh, top three or four change-up whiff rate. Um, and then, uh, you know, his, uh, his breaking ball also had good, good numbers and he was 93, 94 and he was showing, okay, command. I said, why, why isn't he starting? And then people said, well, when he's starting, he's 88, 91. Well, now he's, he's starting in the spring and he's, he's kept a lot of his velocity gains. He's got nine strikeouts in 10 innings. They've said he's a, a lock to be on the team. Um, and he's still in the mix for the, for a bull, uh, a rotation spot. So, you know, I, I think that they've got. I think one of the reasons that nobody has a ton of innings in Arizona is because they're trying everybody. I mean, Hellickson has seven. Innings. Cahill has eight innings. Chase Anderson has eight innings. Alan Webster has nine innings. So they better choose soon because these guys got to get stretched out a little bit. Rubby has ten walks in twelve innings, and I am totally out on him. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's getting harder to to even do that flyer with him because you know what what are you going to get right away? What are you really going to get? So so Webster might be somebody who's more of an in-season sleeper, so you just keep him on your watch list. I know a lot of the uh, outlets now allow you to have a little bit of a watch list, put a little star next to him, and you can collect your guys that way, keep an eye on them, see if things progress. I, I'm with you on, on, on Rubby. I, I loved him, but dang. And 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 you sent that, that, that uh, video you had to Doug and, and had him analyze it wasn't wasn't great you know it's just it's none of it's adding up well and i love that you love randall delgado because i honestly thought i was out on on an island with him the past couple years even dating back to atlanta and i saw and i I don't mean to spoil you know or 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 trump something before it comes out but on our staff picks you you managed to get uh, Randall Delgado in there on your staff picks when when we go through and do like the 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 sleepers the comeback player the rookie of the year your flyers which Alex Chamberlain I think is going to post next week you got Delgado in for one of yours and I was really impressed when I saw that so so good on you for for that the the last guy I, I, oh, I did try to be a little bit different me, me, me <laughs> too there were a lot of names on there and I figured why not try something else no I, I I did the same thing I was like well some of these names I'm like dang I, I gotta I I want to try to do something a little bit different here and give people some names that they're not used to seeing and that's nothing against the names that everyone else in the, on the staff put it's that they already got the good names I was the last one to put turn in my picks I just turned them in yesterday so I had to get some of the leftovers and try to get a little bit more creative the last guy um I'll, I'll throw some love toward and again not somebody who's going to change your season he's not he's not overwhelming I don't even think he's going to have a rotation spot right away but it's Robbie Erlin I just I, I like this guy out in in San Diego I think he's perfectly tailored for that ballpark he's a fly ball guy so he that's where he needs to be pitching he used to be he was a Texas farmhand that was that wasn't going to work out well um, and he actually started to Get a few more ground balls last year. Honestly, if you go back and look, he's got a 458 career MLB ERA. That is heavily influenced by two garbage starts that he's had against the Washington Nationals, one in each of his seasons. If he didn't pitch against those jerks, 
then he would have a 3.54 ERA in 107 innings. But they've popped him for a 16.45 ERA in <laughs> nine and a third, and and that's that that's really kind of influenced and made him look pretty pretty blah. But he's not. I think he's a little bit better than blah. Uh, I think he can miss some bats. I think he can be kind of that high teens, low twenties guy. No, not going to be a strikeout guy or, or anything, but a ratio guy. And so Robbie Erland, I just want to get a mention in for him. Of course, we all like San Diego pitchers uh, because of where they pitch. And he doesn't have the role right now. But if you're betting, you know, I talked about Jaime Garcia, but if you're betting on the health of Brandon Morrow, Morrow uh, or Josh Johnson, well, good luck. And even Andrew Kashner, as much <laughs> as I love him, if you're betting on him to throw a buck 80 this year, I think you're asking for disappointment. I, I'm I'm only betting on him to throw 160, and I'm praying that he can get longer. So Erlen will get his chances there. I have zero doubt about it. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, I, I I I told his father once. Uh, I think it was like three years ago that uh, that he was he was my guy that year. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I I love that. Well, that that's gonna wrap us up. You know, I think uh, I think two hours. Uh, it's gonna be right around two hours. Folks are gonna love this. And um, good luck to everyone in their drafts. Good luck to you. If you have, do you have any drafts coming up the rest of this week? No. Uh, yes. I mean, Saturday they, they they all got pushed in the last week. I did one yesterday. Um, that was uh, Kluber and Scherzer atop a Paxton Degrom house oh my God. on uh, rotation. That's nasty. <laughs> that is I love so good. <laughs> but uh, I hope to uh, to to hit those same heights the rest of the way. Yeah, I've got that, about that four or five more in the next week. That would work. Yeah, I've got I've got like I think I mentioned at the outset two on Saturday traveling for an auction on Sunday that I'm very excited for. It's an NL only auction that I have a lot of fun with. I love a live auction. Then few few things beat it. Even watching, you know, even when I was in the room for AL Labor with y'all. Even watching live auction is fun, so being in one is obviously much better. I can't wait for that. And then um, I got I got some other stuff next week, but I'm not even focused on that yet. I got to wait and get through this weekend, and then I can focus on the other ones. So we'll be back in a few days on Tuesday per usual, talking some maybe how we did on our drafts and, and getting you ready because I know a lot of people are going to have drafts next week, but this is the big weekend, so that's why we went long. Uh, but until then, Eno, I hope you have a good weekend, and I will talk to you on Tuesday. Yes. Good luck, everyone.